We are I. Alright everybody, welcome to another edition of We Are I. We're sitting down with Tony here this afternoon and um, you know like Tony and I, we've known each other for a long time but ironically we've never really got deep into conversation before and uh, you know we got into a really wicked conversation last weekend that's why I wanted him to come on the podcast today so uh, so welcome man. Thanks man, it's yeah. good to be here. Yeah, just kind of give like everybody an idea of what we we're talking about. You know, he's, he's kind of newer-ish kind of to health and fitness or just diving a lot more into like the nitty gritty behind it and, you know, just like a thirst for knowledge. So we ended up like just talking for a really long time about, yeah. you know, like sugar industry, biohacking, you know, training and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, for anybody who knows Tony, everybody's seen him or if you've seen him now, like he he's a walking ectomorph body type so <laughs> yeah. you would think that this is a guy that doesn't need to you know work out or he can kind of get away with eating whatever he wants you know but i also that's the main reason why i wanted to come on so you know people could understand that even people who can quote unquote get away with it you know they understand that there's a component to like internal health that they got to focus on too it's not just what's on the outside so um yeah man maybe we can just kind of get into it from there and you know maybe just like start your journey about why why all of a sudden or you know like why is it a priority for you knowing that you can be one of those guys that can just kind of get away with eating whatever doing whatever because you are an ectomorph body type yeah i don't know i mean for me, it wasn't really like a sudden thing or it's not like I had to make a change all of a sudden. Um, I kind of always been healthy. I mean, maybe not when I was so much a little kid. I would eat, you know, crackers and cookies and ice cream. But uh, as I got older and I started working out, I just realized, yeah, like I feel way better when I treat my body well. I put good stuff in my body. I consistently exercise. I mean, like you said, I don't really need to for the looks aspect of it because I'm usually pretty thin anyway but uh yeah I just I feel better definitely you know why do you think it, it takes for us because that's always like a big bridge that people gap and you know one thing that I always talk about when people first start working out again or they're just getting into it for the first time and they're like okay well I want to start working out you know I want to start eating healthy you know like what kind of meal plan can I get and all these kind of things and I'm like just start working out because everybody always just starts eating better once they start working out you know and that's kind of a point that you just brought up too but you know like why why do you think that it takes that kind of physical component for us to be able to make a connection with our food man for me i think it's when i'm consistently working out and breaking down my body and just putting a lot of strain on it it almost makes me a little bit ocd about my diet like okay i need to get a certain amount of protein and carbs and greens and all that stuff so they kind of go hand in hand. Um, when, I, when I'm not working out so much, when I'm on holidays or I'm just going through a, maybe a couple weeks where I don't go to the gym as much, it's, I don't find it as important to eat those foods. I don't know why. That's just how my mind works. But it's kind but of it's like... It's typical though. You know, like that's like the typical narrative for most yeah. people because, you know, if you look at the general public who's not, you know, healthy and active, you know, like they're not really prioritizing their diet like at all. Yeah. It yeah. seems like that's more organic to who we are as people than... You know, because you think it'd be like the offset. Okay, well, I'm not working out. You know, I'm not doing anything beneficial for my body, yeah. but I should focus on my nutrition. But it really seems like genetically that's not 
really who we are. Like it seems like more who we are, the the more we break our body down, the more we're like, okay, I got to focus on this, you know. But again, when we're when we're you know taking this time off, or you know, like we start eating more like crap, and yeah. you know, we we start treating our body and disrespecting our body, you know. But it's, it's so ironic to me, like why that happens. Yeah, you just said uh, like we're genetically engineered to want to take better care of our bodies or you know eat proper but I don't know if that's true I feel like we've all grown up in an age where the the norm is to you know eat like crap or you know not be so aware of what we're putting on our bodies I think that's the actual issue it's not so much that we're genetically engineered to to be healthier because I think way you know hundreds of years ago we ate pretty healthy I mean we didn't have all this crap that we have now um yeah, I think it's really almost like a not. I don't want to say brainwashing, but it's just the way society is now. The norm for a lot of people is to eat whatever they want and not really worry about you know the consequences. Like people think, oh, it's never going to happen to me, diabetes or heart attacks and all that. So they kind of just put it to the back of their mind and they keep eating whatever it is, you know, junk food, this and that. So yeah, I, I don't know. See, and those are like you know like the interesting you know like points of view, right? Where it's the you know, like we delay it and I think in Canada, you know, and I only can speak for Canadians, I can speak freely for people in BC and the people that I know, but you do, you see these trends, you know, and you almost think that we all think that the whole world is like this, but it's not, you know, and we just, we think because that we wake up and we choose, you know, to like eat a certain way and, you know, like brainwashing, you know, like, like it sounds extreme, but it's realistic because, you know, like brainwashing just comes in form of like, like advertisements, you know, oh, and sure. when you really look down at, you know, when there's these cartoon characters on children's food that they connect with, that they see on TV and they idolize when they're, you know, two, three, four, five, eight, ten 10 years old. And they walk into a grocery store and they see that character, you know, on, you know, like this cereal is just packed full of sugar and it's garbage, you know, like it's not even really the cereal they're connecting with, it's the characters on it. And it is that subtle nudge in that brainwashing direction where, you know, like I said, like it sounds extreme, I get it, you know, and people like, you know, criticize me all the time for talking exactly the same way that you just did, but it is just realistic, you know, like the brainwashing is just marketing, it's continual marketing all the time that coaches you to be able to think a certain way. And you know, like that's, that's the problem because we do allow for like all of these ads and this advertisement to be able to, you know, direct us down a certain road that we think is then the new norm. Yeah, I agree. I think it honestly starts as, as kids, um, the way companies advertise certain things that are unhealthy, the way they advertise it, it almost makes it look like you're cool if you have a Coca-Cola in your hand or you have Frosted Flakes or whatever. So I think it starts as kids and then, like like I said, kind of like a brainwash, we grow up into these habits and thinking that this is the cool thing to do or whatever. whatever and it's those. something that you and I talked about, you know, and I talk about with people all the time where it's like, oh, you're a kid, you can get away with it, you know, because like you're a little bit more active or, you know, but again, it's, it's the lifestyle that you're subtly ingraining in somebody, right? You know, where it's the, it's, yeah, you might be getting away with it now, you know, and you might be getting away with it when you're 16, you might be able to get away with it when you're 25 and 32 and 46. But Mm -hmm. if you keep on doing it, like we've proven now and the statistics are there that like diabetes and like heart disease and everything, like they are inevitable, you know, like there's, there's no denying that now. And 
um you know like those are i guess like those are the the tough things because of the fact like the spin off of that is is then we get into the completely other side of it where it's like okay are you on a ketogenic diet are you vegan are you vegetarian you know are you pescatarian you know are you you know paleo like you know like where are you on that spectrum of trying to like eat healthy where it's the you know you're trying to combat you know eating the sugar you feel like everything's temporary i'm just doing it for this temporary change you know but i'm probably going to go back to eating this shit food at some point in time because yeah. i'm only going to do this for a short period of time it's not yeah. a lifestyle that i've adopted yeah. you know but like we have these two extremes you know like we have like this food that we've connected with because we've ate it our whole lives and then we have all of these different systems to be able to help break that in us but we still, again, when you when you see it and you're faced with it all the time, it's hard not to want to go back to eat all that shitty food. Yeah. How? What's your experience with, you know, going through bad? Like, I don't want to say bad, but if you take a couple weeks off, do you notice it? Do you feel it? Like, you, couple weeks off what? Like working out or eating healthy or like uh, kind of? Yeah, I would say probably maybe eating healthy more more so than working out. Do you, uh, do you notice a big change? You know what? It's tough because, you know, if I look at like taking time off working out, like I can't even remember, like it's been years and years since I've taken probably a week off. So right. like, yeah, like I don't, I wouldn't even know what that feels like yeah. now. Yeah. And my body's just hyper adapted to it. You know, I, you know, I talk to people pretty regularly now about how like my base level of fitness is like I've, I've hyper adapted to like a base level of fitness that if I go for a 5k run, it, it feels like sitting on the couch. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, so I just, I kind of have these tools. Now when it comes to eating healthy, I don't really take any time off. I do incorporate more junk food in my diet sometimes, you know, but Dr. Rhonda Patrick said something one time where, you know, it's not, don't focus on eliminating things from your diet, focus on eating more of the things you should and yeah. then you just have less rooms less room for the things that you shouldn't so i really tried to adopt that where it's the you know if i if i'm gonna make if i'm gonna want some cookies i bake them at home you know yeah. where i'm like okay well there's like you know i put honey in it instead of sugar or you know like coconut sugar you know yeah. things to be able to make it yeah. a little bit yeah. healthier use oat flour instead of regular flour mm -hmm. um you know use dark chocolate instead of you know like semi-sweet or you know milk chocolate yeah. chips like yeah. where i try to mold that you know but then yeah i'll eat like 10 of them you know like yeah, i'll just like sure. i'll go to town but then what i try to do is okay well i know i'm gonna do that and if I bake these, like, I know it's inevitable. I'm going to eat all of them. So I'm like, get like carrots, cucumbers. Like I really just try to get a lot more food in me that has like a good quality, like micronutrient level, because I feel like that is really the better road for me. And, you know, for like a lot of people I know too, is that if you just incorporate more of the stuff that you should be eating yeah. and just know, and then for me, like I, I'm big into like baking and stuff too. I like, I like to be able to make my own stuff. So I would never eat a cookie from the store but 100% bake cookies. Cause I, li I like to know what's in it. I like to take my hand in that dough. I like to, you know, to pound out those cookies myself. Yeah. And then when I eat them, I don't feel as bad. Like I've over ate an excess amount of calories, but I know those calories like you know what I'm eating aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, like, and, but again, too, I go through like bad M&M addictions every <laughs> once in a while too, or yeah, like yeah, those yeah. like yellow bag M&Ms. I just came off like a month of like eating them every day. Like just like <laughs> an animal. Ones, right? yeah, yeah, man. Like, yeah. I don't know what kind of heroin they put in those things, man. But like yeah. once I have one, it's like if I can stave away from one, if I have one, I know it's like a month. Like I'm into it for like a Dude, month. Yeah. My thing is mini eggs. Do you mess mini with eggs? mini eggs? 
But I can't stand the smell of them. It's the only reason what? why I don't eat them. Yeah, really? like, yeah, we because I had, we just had mini eggs at the house with the kids yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But there's something about the smell of mini eggs that yeah. like I used to eat okay. them all the time when yeah. I was a kid. But I don't like milk chocolate anymore either. Oh, though, right? Okay. Yeah. And I find that with the yellow bag M&M's because there's such a minimal amount of chocolate, but like that crunch through the, the outside to the chocolate so to the peanut, right? yeah, it's like that wicked combination, <laughs> right? So, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, going back to what you said before, um, you said don't worry so much about the stuff that you are eating. Worry about the stuff that you should be putting in your body on top of that. That's kind of been my roughly my philosophy so far um, to this point in my life. I mean. Honestly, I've never tracked my calories. I've never tracked carbs, protein, anything like that. Never once. I, I don't even know what the numbers, like appropriate daily amounts for people are because that's just never something I've worried about. My thing has always been, okay, you can go and have a cheeseburger or a hot dog or whatever, but make sure you go home and have that kale shake or have some of that broccoli. And uh, that's always worked out for me. I don't know. It's, it kind of balances itself out. See, and I, I feel like because... You, you make a, like a really good point for a couple of reasons. So like, I never track my calories either. Yeah. Like I, I could care less. It doesn't matter to me. Like I, I more track performance based on feel. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, I know enough now. I'm like, I've done X amount of activity today. If I don't get some good quality food in me, I know I'm going to be bagged tomorrow. Or I know my performance is going to suffer tomorrow. And so like, that's what is the feedback loop for me, you know, to make sure that I prioritize eating better like today for tomorrow. You know, but, you know, like how many people do you think realistically, if you had to throw a number out there that if they're like, I'm going to eat this cheeseburger, you know, whether or not you like, it's like, that's a homemade cheeseburger, like a, you know, pre-bought, you know, yeah, pressed patty or like whatever. Right? Yeah. Um, but how many people go home with even like the mentality, like, hey, I'm not going to have salad or a kale shake to counter that. Like one in 20, I would say not one many. in 50. I would say when I say that I do that, I think I'm a little, like I said before, OCD about it almost. Like I got to have something healthy, but I would say most people, they don't really care. If they're going to go for that cheeseburger in the first place, then probably not going to have a salad or a kale shake after. But I don't know. That's See, and, you know, and where, where you say, like, you know, you're OCD about it, too, or, you know, people are just like, oh, man, it's just another one of those extreme guys or, yeah. you know, extreme people, you know, with health, fitness, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when it really comes down to, you know, I don't even really like the term, you know, like, my body is my temple either, you know, but I just look at it more is that if you are going to be passionate about something, why not passionate or OCD about feeling good? Yeah. yeah. You know, because that's really all it is. You only go home and have the kale shake because you just want to feel good. Yeah, exactly. Like it's for no real other reason. Yeah, you yeah. just, you've made the connection with feeling good, having that kale shake, whether it's the placebo effect of knowing, okay, well I had this cheeseburger, so I got to counter that, yeah, yeah. you know, but there's obviously all the micronutrients that are flowing through your body to be able to help counter it and, you know, make you feel a lot better yeah, too, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's different, right? Everyone has their own things. Um, for me, it's just always kind of at the back of my mind. If I have something unhealthy, I think about it. I don't actively think, oh, like all day, oh, I had that that stack of pancakes or whatever. But it's kind of always there. Like, oh, I need to balance it out. I need to have something healthy now. And I'll keep that mindset throughout the day. And usually, you know, usually I'll get a few good helpings of green, greens or, you know, healthy stuff in. So is, is that like a byproduct of your parents or is that something no, you just No, 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 that's like the thing. What? Actually, it's kind of funny. I started doing these kale shakes uh, probably about five or six years ago after listening to uh, Joe Rogan. So I've been listening to his podcast for years now. And uh, he talked about the benefits of having deep greens and kale and spinach and all that stuff. 
so I just started doing it for myself and like I was young back then too like 19 so people are probably like oh like, why is he doing that he's 19 right like you don't really need to do that but <clears throat> but even like I said like looking at you, you you would just actually assume like most people if they could have your body walk around how you look all day long they would never care about having a kill shake and that's something that I face yeah, all the time with yeah. the industry that I'm in it's just like where people just they trade vanity for what they perceive to be health yeah yeah right? I'm very very lucky with my body like I don't put in half the work that it looks like I do like I don't know I just have super genetics I guess but um but again, although when you when you're listening, so when you were listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and you know you heard about these shakes, like you know because you don't really, you didn't really need to do it if you weren't really raised that way. Like, why do you think that you made that connection and saying, okay, well, you know, is it like a re you respected Joe Rogan enough that you know when he said it, you you're like, okay, I gotta do this, or like what, what was that connection? What bridged you into like practical application? I think at the time I was a bit more strict because I was that was kind of I wouldn't say the beginning of my me working out, but that was kind of the earlier years. And uh, I don't know, I just, I guess I thought it would just help me out, make me, I don't know, stronger, faster, or whatever. So that probably was my main intention for that at that time. But now that I'm older, it's kind of just, you know, like I need to get this in, so let's do it. Make that a, a habit, make it an everyday thing. And honestly, I think my parents have been, probably think I'm a little weird for it because they see me do it every day. But I think uh, it's a lifestyle, like you said before, it's not just something that you need to do for, a month or two at a time it's something that you need to learn to do all the time and yeah that's how you feel better in my opinion so if you don't really count your calories in a day like you know do you do you take it like you know any step further than that saying I'm gonna lean a little bit more towards like you know like a QJ diet or a carnivore vegan like is there any spectrum that you follow or like like some process that you follow in a day or you just kind of like whatever um, it's kind of whatever I've uh, I should probably to see a lot more results like in the weight room or whatever but uh, no, I always just try and make sure I get enough healthy fats, proteins, carbs, and yeah, like I said before, like I'm, I don't even know about properly portioning out those things. I've never done that, but it's always. Do you feel if the things that you eat are more just like, you know, like earth-based products? that you even need to worry about like you know portioning it out or you know like you know, no, worry about like how many calories are in it no. because like your body no. knows and has the tools to be able to utilize like everything like so take like fructose for example you know like you take like or say like we'll just look at it as like sugar like in general no matter where that's coming from but you know say like fructose from fruit where it has like a fiber molecule attached to it still so your body knows how to be able to break that down like there's this process that your body like naturally knows what to go through versus like you know like refined table sugar you know it's just garbage for the body the body just doesn't want it and it has like this negative feedback loop around it so um you know do you look at it like that that it, you know like anything that you eat as long as you know it as this natural component to it like that's more what you follow actually yeah it's interesting you said that that's kind of exactly what i do i mean <clears throat> i've been eating healthy for well not healthy but you know what i mean um for years now and you kind of get an idea for like okay if i have two chicken breasts a day if I have, you know, this much brown rice and this much broccoli, then I'm, I'm probably okay. You kind of, for me anyway, I kind of just have that, have that knowledge in the back of my mind. I don't even really think about it now. It's almost like second nature. You have this certain amount of food and you're going to be okay. You don't have that food, you're probably going to be maybe a little sore tomorrow or maybe a little more tired. So I think it's kind of just almost been programmed into me. So, you know, do you think that like that's a really, you know, a really key piece of information to be able to get out there because you know 
when people always talk about like how tough it is, you know, and like, they're like, I can't do this. It's so much work. You know, you hear all these different narratives and excuses of why people can't eat healthy, you know, whether it's the, I don't know what my macros are. I don't know what system to follow, but like if the system was simply just like, cause I always tell people, I'm like, you know, what's healthy. Like, yeah. you know, if, if that shit comes in a bag and you're squirting sauce on it, or like, you know, like your, your plate is finished and it's covered in this goo from all this sauce yeah. from the different, like, you know, it's probably not healthy. Like it, it can be that easy, but like, why do you think people don't want to believe it could be as easy as like what you just said? It's like, you're not even, even if you'll make the connection with how you feel, but you can't deny that, you know, chicken's healthy, you know, but what's not healthy is teriyaki chicken or yeah. breaded chicken, you yeah. know, like yeah. why, why do you think we want to believe that it's that hard as an excuse not to realize how easy it is? I think uh, a huge part of it is procrastination. From what I've seen, like I'd say most people, the average person who isn't already healthy, they always think, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm gonna be better. Next month I'm gonna be better. So it's always, it's always in the future I'm gonna start to be better, and it never actually happens. From what I've seen, a lot of people just use that same excuse. Okay, well, this will be my last summer that I'm gonna eat like crap, and then as soon as the fall comes, I'm gonna start eating healthy or whatever. Similar situations to that, I think procrastination is a huge thing with most people they don't want to change and they don't they don't think every, any, anything is gonna, bad is going to happen to them so it's kind of always like oh tomorrow i'll do better yeah and that's you know, what i see with people yeah and you know and, and it's funny that you say it like that too is because you know a, a few i listened to a podcast i was talking to a friend and through different like conversations it's kind of like that same joke conclusion so it's like you know listening to Chris Kressler talk about how, you know, like we don't have health care, we have like disease management, you know? So like, in, like that's a key piece. Cause it's like, when you have dis disease management, not healthcare, you're more looking at like, it's inevitable that you're gonna get this. We're just gonna treat it when you do. Like there's no real way of saying, okay, well, you know, how can we make the connections before you get that to, so that you don't? Because, you yeah. know, when there's like, okay, well, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it That's tomorrow. I mean, okay, right? now I have diabetes. Okay, yeah. well, now I need to start going to the doctor, I need to start doing this, I need to start taking these medications, yeah. you know, like this, that, and the next thing, yeah. because there's, there's always tomorrow. And then the conversation I was having with one of my friends was that, you know, like, why are some of these countries that, like, are semi-developed, you know, maybe third world countries, you know, or just you know, ones that we perceive maybe to be more like third world countries than us. Take like, you know, like, you know, Mexico, for example, you know, like, why are these countries so much more progressive in their healthcare system like what we are by taxing things like sugar because they realize how detrimental they are to their citizens, you know, but like with us, you know, we just feel like, okay, well, when I get this, the doctor is going to be available to me, so I'm gonna go. But in some of these countries, there might not be that doctor to go to, so, are, is that the reason why they take it more seriously than we do? Like, like what what's that feedback loop of like saying, okay, well, do these people not have as much access to you know these foods as what we do? Well, we know they do because they have this tax on these products, you know, and they're they put the tax on these high sugar based products, and now they're getting fantastic results by it, you know. But why is it more important to them than it is to us, and why are we more? focused on disease management versus disease prevention well you were talking about third world countries right we're not a third world country we have money and you know a lot of ways of making money don't really go with health or well-being so sugar cigarettes alcohol 
they're not really going to stop them because those are multi-billion dollar industries. And I think that's the difference between third world countries and here, like North America is there's so much money to be made off of those things. So who's really going to try and stop it? You know, the government? Probably not. I'm, and do you think that's where, you know, maybe we need to step up as Canadian citizens because the government's supposed to represent us, but unless if we tell them, like, hey, we're all passionate about this, yeah. you know, like, we need you to be our voice to be able to stand up, you know, against big food. Because it's interesting, even when a collective amount of people organize, like in uh, California, where they, um, I believe they got the the bill almost passed where they're going to have the tax on sugar-based products. And then Big Food stepped in, lobbied the government, actually got it shut down. And it's crazy to me that they can do that when like all these citizens are saying like, hey, we don't want these products readily accessible. And if they are, we want this tax based on them. But Big Food can come in, toss down a few million dollars and be like, hey, no, I'm going to block that. Yeah. You know, like those are the things that are you know crazy. Like where you said, like, you know, when does the government step in and say, okay, well, we can't keep allowing this to happen because you know like the health of our citizens needs to be taken as a lot more of a priority isn't that the whole industry though the healthcare industry isn't that how they make their money yeah you know it, it, diabetes funny point. and you know t- treating diabetes treating obesity treating you know high blood pressure whatever it is there's a lot of money to be made you know, and you, know, and you know where my mind went when you asked me that is, is the same thing as like the seven minute abs, the 12 minute workout, you know, yeah. like all this kind of stuff where yeah. there's just like, like these kind of, we're just going to stave it off. We're going to stave off the inevitable, you know, for what might work right now, but yeah. like long term, like there's no actual benefit to you doing this. No. Yeah. I agree with that. I don't think, uh, I don't think they really care, the government. I mean, maybe. But do they not care because we don't care? Like how many people do you know that are like, you know, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try to be able to create a voice, or like I want to stand, or I want the government to do something and actually taking proactive Nobody. steps. Nobody, I don't really know anybody. But that that's you're the thing. you're one of the first people I've talked to. I found that really interesting when you we had that conversation about sugar. But like honestly, I don't know that many people trying to do that. But it's like it's like overarching complacency. So you know, I was driving down to the fitness store to be able to pick up this assault bike the other day. You know, I was talking to the two people that I was with, and we were talking about these these speeding cameras that they're installing at all these oh, yeah. intersections around here. Yeah. And I'm like, who approved this shit? Oh, yeah. You know, like, the government's not there to be able to, to have that kind of foot on our back. It's like, hey, like, I get no, we shouldn't speed. I get it causes accidents. I get, you know, some people die from it. Some people get hurt, all these kind of things. But is that the world we want to live in? Where, like, everywhere, like, there's cameras recording whether or not, like, you're texting like I know people who've got texting and driving tickets because the red light cameras caught them texting and driving. Somebody's saying they're analyzing this information. Cops have shown up at their house to be able to issue them a ticket like a year and a half later. You know, but like where where's the point where we step in and say, okay, like look, you know, like we need government, obviously, to some extent, you know, to be able to manage these systems for us, because we can't individually manage all of these things ourselves. But like, where do we step in and say, okay, like, look, you know, you guys have kind of got lost along the way in representing us and what we want and our needs, you know, and a lot of this is just because I think that, you know, again, it's, it's the same thing like with healthcare, we're saying, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to be healthy. It's like, okay, well, tomorrow I'm going to be pissed off enough to be able to have like a voice about this yeah. and the, the government should be doing these things. Like, you know, tomorrow the government- comes, right? Yeah, the government should have our best interests in mind. So hopefully one day they'll get around to putting a tax on, you know, sugar-based products. Yeah. 
you know, but like nobody actually said and say, okay, like, you know, we need people like screaming this from, you know, like Hilltops is saying we're, you know, like us as Canadian citizens, like how much more money do we want to keep pumping in to a healthcare system and to preventable diseases? What's it going to take though, right? Like, I think it's going to take mass millions of people to die or like, it's, but where, mass millions of people are already right? dying. You know, yeah. when you look at it, like, you know, it may not be a month. It may not be per year, Yeah. you know, but like, when you look at legitimately, if four million people in Canada right now are either overweight or obese because of sugary drinks alone, like those people most likely are going to die from that. You know, like there's a percentage that aren't and there's a percentage that you know that may come out of that obesity and that overweight category because they then chose health and fitness or changed their lives. But the way we're trending right now is they won't. So like, you know, typically if like, you know, there's a car accident and somebody dies, like, okay, well, we have to reduce the speed limit or, you know, we need to you know get people to wear seatbelts, yeah. you know, but when it comes to like, you know, people being unhealthy, we don't have those checks and balances. We just kind of let it to be free reign, you know, and like we're working on this video right now that, you know, we have all these government restrictions on age, like, you know, you have a, a federal age on smoking, you have a federal age on drinking, you have a federal age on gambling, you have a federal age on all of these things because we we deem them to be, you know, bad enough, quote unquote, that you have to be a certain age to make a proper decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like, however, it's like, well, if you spend, say if there was like an age restriction on sugar that was like 18, mm -hmm. you know, but again, is that the system that's gonna work? You know. Probably not, you know, because then people are going to do what they do now. It's like, okay, well, I'm 18 or I'm going to sneak it in before. And now I'm going to go, you know, like all out, you know, once I'm 18, I can finally start eating all the sugar. It's like, like that's not the system either, but it's more if people are dying and we're not gut checking ourselves saying like, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, like, what is it going to take? I think uh, one of the big things that we need to focus on is behavior change. And maybe not so much awareness, because there's tons of awareness out there now for, you know, diabetes or whatever. But I think we need to focus on how to change the way people think and, yeah, change the way people see. See what's coming, like illness, death, all that. I think those same people that die from heart disease or whatever, diabetes, if it wasn't for sugar, they might, they probably would have died from tobacco or alcohol. I think those, those kinds of people with that... I don't know, addictive personality, maybe, I'll say, would die from something like that anyway. So maybe we need to look at changing those people's behaviors and their their mind patterns. So kind of like what you're saying is you think that, you know, like if, if people are going to die from lifestyle choices, they kind of are going to categorize themselves, you know, like, you know, you know, and a really good, you know, perspective behind that is is that you know like with all these red meat studies where you know like they've never chose people who only just eat red meat and that's it or they've never chose athletes who eat red meat yeah. you know and analyze them and you know like they've never taken out the you know, like the bread and you know like the potatoes you know like all the like just like the junk that might come along with that and like typically these people are smoking and drinking along like yeah. with consuming that red yeah. meat you know so like that's why like all these red meat studies have been so flawed you know mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. If you said, okay, well, I'm going to take these, you know, 400 NFL football players yeah. and like give them red meat. So you only can eat red meat. And then we're going to track, you know, like all your biomarkers in your blood. I guarantee you that they're not going to be unhealthy from it. Like there's just, there's no way, you know, but if you took, you know, 
400 people who smoke and drink and you know eat chips and chocolate bars all the time and give them red meat you know like they're probably gonna see like a little bit more inflammation because the inflammation you don't know where it's coming from yeah. you don't know yeah. where all like there's too many uncontrolled mediums that you're allowing into that system that you're having skewed results and then you yeah. put those results out to the public and then you know what frustrates me when people are like why well, shouldn't be eating red meat and it's bad I'm like, motherfucker, you eat donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, how can you say a steak is bad when you're like, you will drive for an hour to some bakery and stand in line for 30 minutes to eat donuts? No doubt, no doubt. It's not the steak, man. You know, and that's where you said, like, the education. Like, people don't want to believe, like, hey, I'm holding this donut or this Coca-Cola in my hand. And if I keep doing this regularly enough... I'm gonna get diabetes from it. Yeah. Like, why don't people like? Is, is it miseducation? Do we not have enough education? Like, what do you think? It I don't is? think that's what it is. I think the education's all there. The information is all there. It's been there for years. It's changing people's minds. You can't tell somebody to to do something or to change the way they live and just really expect them to do it just because you told them to, right? So is it accessibility then? You know, because all these options are there and it's just like they're everywhere and everybody's doing it. So everybody just kind of hops on board accessibility to education or no accessibility to these products you know so if you say the the education and the information is there but people are choosing not to listen to it or to take it to heart um because they're still choosing to live this way anyway is it just because there's an over accessibility to these these products or these foods? yeah one thing you said from our last conversation was you think that um companies should start showing pictures of what sugar can do to people kind of like cigarette boxes and I think that's that's kind of heading in the right direction. Like we need to do that. We need to pound it into people's heads that hey, like wake up, this is gonna kill you. This is what your liver is gonna look like, or this is what your whatever, whatever it is that's being affected is gonna look like in ten years from now. Stop it, you know. Get that in their heads. Yeah, and you know, and that's where you know when we were talking about those warning labels, when it's like you know if you keep consuming you know like this, this pop you know like daily or semi daily these products, you know. Are you going to want to go to the doctor every three months to be able to get your your diabetes checked? You know, if you have diabetes, you're probably going to have heart disease too. You're probably going to have multiple ailments and, you know, your quality of life is going to suffer. You know, like there's going to be so many spinoff effects of that, you know, and like where do you show it? Because again, like we talked about, like we've done it with cigarettes, Yeah. you know, like now you can walk into it. You don't even see cigarettes anymore. Yeah. You know, like they're behind these walls and these cabinets yeah. and they're blacked out and, you know, they, they have these graphic images on them, you know, like a jaw missing, you know, like a trach where there's the two going yeah, in for oxygen. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, we, you know, do people need, like, why do we need to be that extreme? Like we, we, we show that that's how extreme we need to be because like smoking actually kills like less people than sugar does because like we talked about there's there's more people who eat like shit than smoke so it kills more people you know but we had to be that graphic with cigarettes to be able to get it across to people you know do we and like i think we do too you know need to be that graphic but again in general if you said to somebody okay that cigarette is going to kill you why is our first conceptual mentality like no it doesn't no it's not you know, like, why don't you know, we want to believe it's, it's it? It's never going to happen to me. That's always a, that's I'm guilty of that. That's actually you, know? you make a good point there. Like it's, it's not going to be happening to me. Hey, I'll be honest. Like I like to go out and have drinks sometimes with my friends, and uh, you know I'll have a couple cigarettes. I, I'm, I've never been like a habitual cigarette smoker. I've never made it a habit, but you know from time to time I'll enjoy a couple. And yeah, for me it's always like oh that's you know it's never going to happen. It's just two cigarettes every couple of weeks. What's the big deal, right? So I think that's just, yeah, that's probably the general mindset that we need to change is 
yeah, it's going to happen to you. It is happening to you. You just don't know it yet, you know? So, you know, but then, you know, we're, even when you say that, like, all the statistics are there that it's, like, cigarette smoking is bad, yes. And, you know, like, when you're a habitual smoker, like, yeah, that's, like, the worst case. But even if you choose to do it, if you choose to eat healthy and be physically active, you will still live longer than somebody who doesn't smoke and is physically inactive and eats like shit. Yeah, yeah. What do you like, think about moderation? That's kind of how I live my life. Like like before when you're talking about with the food, um, as long as you're healthy for, you know, 95% of the time, let's say, then you can enjoy, you know, a donut or a cigarette or a beer or whatever. Yeah, you know, like I think like it, it, it depends on really what you're trying to achieve. You know, so like, you know, like we talked about this, you know, like and we even talked about, you know, like how I'll pound back M&Ms or, you know, like I've done podcasts where, you know, like where we've been drinking craft beer and, yeah, you know, like yeah. and all that kind of stuff where it's the um, I don't ever look at it as like moderation. I more look at it that is if I happen to do it, then I've done it um, because you feel if, bad about it, though. I don't feel bad about anything. Like, you know, like I just like I don't want to carry that stress with inside myself, yeah. and then that's a whole nother yeah. you know system in the body that I don't want to have to deal with. But you know, really, when it comes down to like, um, you know, like moderation or you know, like what we should and shouldn't be doing, and you know, like who that's applicable to. When you look at like the general public, because people are so lazy, yeah, you have those people have to be so much more extreme. Because they're not doing anything else. Like, you know, like for me when I'm, you know, if I have like the, like one of these like craft beers or, you know, like I have like these M&Ms, it's like, well, you know, I'm sitting in the sauna, I'm doing cryotherapy, you know, I work out, you know, once, twice, three times a day, you know, I eat healthy 90% of the time. I'm drinking kombucha right now. You know, before the workout today, we had, you know, two ginseng shots with, you know, three teaspoons of wheatgrass powder with seven ounces of beet juice, you know, like, like because that's the flip side of it yeah. you know so a, per, a moderation for somebody like me is so irrelevant to the moderation of somebody else i'm just like well if you have 30 pounds to lose you don't have moderation you don't have the option of moderation because your moderation is steering you down that's a road true. of that's death yeah, yeah you know like my moderation is just like yeah okay well i can get in and well, i'm not like, healthy already right so for us it's like okay well whatever it's fine if we have those things. We don't really need to worry about it. Well, that's why I look at it, you know, but like because life has become so lazy now, like that's why people need to be so extreme because I, I say this to people all the time. Like, like, like why now? Like why at this point in time in our lives do you need to count your calories in software down to like five or ten calories? Yeah. Like it doesn't even make any sense to me. But the one thing is is that we've never been so lazy. You know, when, when it comes down, when people ask me, like, Blake, how many times should I work out? It's like, well, what do you do for a living? It's like, well, I sit at a desk. It's like, well, you should work out, like, 30 hours a week. Yeah. You know, like, it's yeah. not even, like, three or four days. Like, you know, yeah. you need to be active. Your body is designed to be active. Your body is yeah. not designed to sit and be dormant. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, whether it's from, you know, like, working out, you know, whether it's from, you know, um, like, moving, fasting right? or anything, yeah. you know, like, cryotherapy, you know, like, extremely, like, Everything extreme that happens to our body that we can put our body through has a positive feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. You know, but what we don't have a positive feedback loop to is being like habitually lazy. Yeah. Like it just, it rots away our body and like we've proven that. Like, yeah. you know, so like those are things where it's like when you come to people and that's why it's so hard because I feel like if you're caught up in that system where, you know, like, 
I sleep in until maybe an hour before I have to go to work and you know I got to quickly get the kids up I got to quickly get them to school I got to sit in the car I got to drive to work I got to sit at work all day long and then I got to pick up the kids from childcare. I got to come home and take them to the activities I got to get supper ready okay now I got to kick my feet up and realize because I'm bagged from all day so I'm gonna have a glass of wine and I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna munch on some chips and you know watch some stupid show on Netflix and then I'm gonna be tired of me and go to bed me and do that again yeah you know like that's the narrative of life so it's like you know, when you look at, okay, well, why does my diet have to be so extreme? It's like, well, that's why you've, you've done nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like when David Suzuki did that study in, you know, in Eastern Canada, where he took those, those guys and he's like, okay, we're going to see how much time you spend outside. And this one guy really stuck out to me. And I tell a story all the time to people. And it's like, he's like, you know, I go outside every single day. So they tracked him and he's like, okay, well, what does your outside look like? You know, so he lived in the suburbs. I don't know where, but he, you know, he was in his house Walked into his garage, he got in his car, he drove to work. You know, he worked downtown in Toronto, you know, parked in the underground. He went up and he sat in his office, had a window office, went back down. Jim was in the same building, you know, walked across the breezeway, went to the grocery store, you yeah. know, got his groceries, walked across, got back in his car, drove home. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he realized, he's like, shit. He's like, I'll go like three or four days without actually being outside, but I'll feel like I'm outside because I've gone outside yeah. of my house. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, I've gone from my house to my garage. I sat in the car drove to an underground parking garage, yeah. got out, went upstairs, went to the office, sat by a window, feeling like I'm outside, yeah. went to the gym, you know, windows around, see outside, feel like I'm outside, went to grocery shopping, got back yeah. in the car, drove, all yeah. these things that represent outside, but I've spent no time outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's things like that, because like that, this is the world that we live in today, so it's like, well, you know, why do things need to be so extreme? It's like, well, we've never gone so extreme on the other side of the spectrum, like where we're at now. Yeah. You know, heavy urbanization, working in offices, you know, like. It's messed not, up, man. Yeah, it's not wanting up, to go honestly. outside, not wanting to be outside. Yeah, or yeah. Looking at it's a pain in the ass to take your kids outside to the park or, you know, like all these kind of where things. Where did that all go wrong, do you think? I think Cell it all went. or social media or what? You know, like, I think it all went wrong is when we only really found overarching value on, um, like, just education, like, university education. Like, you know, like, I got to, you know, get this office job. You know, I got to get my six figures. You know, I got to sit in yeah. this. I got to work up that, you know, corporate hierarchy, you know, yeah. get the corner office. Because then that's what siphoned everybody into, like, these urban centers. But the one thing I really like now and through this podcast, it opened up my eyes to it, is that there's all these micro communities now they're like pulling out of that you know where it's like you know hydroponic farming you know like farmers markets craft breweries yeah. you know like yeah. like gyms there's all these little there's all these people who are stepping back out and getting into like new next generation artisan trades you know yeah. where you know people are getting back into like cooking and knife making yeah, and yeah, all, yeah, and yeah. i just like i love it like you see people like you know, pulling back out of like these, you know, like these office buildings and yeah. all that kind of stuff and saying like, like, I don't connect with that. That's not who I am. Like, I'm not happy being in yeah. there. You know, like I'm going to make these swords. I'm going to make these, you know, guns. I'm going to make this dresser, you know, yeah. like I'm going to, you know, sculpt these shrubs in front of people's yeah. houses. Like yeah. there's people that are just, they're connecting back with that and loving it again. We're, we're pulling out of it now, but what does it come down to? Like, where are we at with it from our health and wellness standpoint? Like, is it a little bit too late? Is the shift going fast enough? You know, like, do we need to create more avenues for people to be yeah. able to 
you know, experience that, you know, like, like, what is it? You know, like, I think that that's the key, you know, like where, because not everybody's going to be successful. And when we coach people to say like, well, okay, for 12 years, you have to sit in a classroom. You shouldn't take a year off. Then you should know exactly what you want to do and go to university for, have that completely mapped out, go to university for two years, four years, six years, 10 years, depending on like what you've done. And then you're going to go do something. Well, you know, there are so many people who are not going to excel in that environment. No. I feel like we're not even ready at 18 years old. Like, I didn't go to university. Uh, I took a few years off. But there, there is no way I would have been ready to pick out what I wanted to do at 18. Like before 18 even. Because you start, they start kids in high school going to counselors and kind of doing career planning and all that kind of stuff. But I think people need to take like a little bit of time. Really find out what's out there. and. <sighs> Yeah. So the the one thing that I, I kind of grew up hearing all the time, and you know, it may or may not even be relevant today, you know, but it, I always remember, you know, successful people saying like, you typically are gonna fail at being successful at least two or three times before you actually achieve success. Yeah. yeah. But we don't coach our kids that way. It's like you should immediately know what you want to do when you're in school, so that when you get out of high school, you know what you're gonna do. For like 60 years. Oh, no doubt. It's scary. That like, that's so, some bullshit. It is bullshit, man. You know, like, why not be like, okay, you know, like, you're probably not going to know shit. You know, like, you need to go experience some life. Yeah. You know, come back, and whatever you come back thinking what you're going to do, in five or ten years, you're probably not going to like that shit anymore. Oh, for sure. And why not just be honest? Yeah. You know, because I think that's when you set people up thinking, like, that's what you have to buy into and believe into. Like nobody lives like that, you know, like in now us as adults and we get some life experience behind us, like we know that, you know, nobody actually stays in the same environment all the time and all the people who do hate their life. So oh, why would sure. you want to coach sure. people to be that? I don't know, man. It's messed up. It's that's how it's been, right? It's, I don't know, a hundred years ago, maybe not a hundred years ago, but I feel like that's kind of always been the template. Go to high school, go to college and you'll be successful, quote unquote. But, but I think there was a need for it back then too, right? You know, like where, you know, there wasn't a lot of jobs. That's true. So like when people got a job, they're like, I need to hold on to this. I need to have it for yeah. the rest of my life because there's no other opportunity. Yeah. You know, but we, we live in like like transient opportunity. Like opportunity yeah. can come from anywhere at any time. There's lots of it out there now. I don't know about you, but for me, I kind of looked at my parents. And for a while when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's what I, I probably should be doing. So they did the typical thing, like most people's parents. They went to university and got a good career and did that same thing for their whole life, basically. And to me, when I was younger, I was like, okay, that's the normal thing to do. But now that I've gotten a little bit older, it's like, man, that's so depressing. That's not how I want to live. I don't want to be doing the same thing for 50 or 60 years. But I think that just also comes with awareness now, like how connected the world is. It's a small world compared to what it used to be with the internet and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. See, and it, you know, it comes back to like, you know, always kind of feeding these things back into like, you know, like health and fitness. So, you know, it goes back to even like with diet, you know, like, and I heard this a few months ago and spent a lot of time talking about it where, you know, even when people think that they have to eat the same, however, whatever system that you find that you think you're going to be successful on today, that that should be the same system you do in a month from now or six months from now or from a year from now. And that's ultimately also what sets people up for failure is thinking that, you know, once you find this quote unquote what works, 
that that's what it's going to be for again the next Forever. 20 30 40 50 60 yeah, years and if you're yeah. not doing that singular thing you're not going to be successful instead of just saying like okay well why does it need to be that hard you know like yeah. when it comes down to like you know living your life every day okay well if you can pay your bills provide for yourself and live a decent life what does it really matter what you do why do you have to do the same thing you know like yeah, if yeah. you can eat a certain way you know and be healthy and be active and be strong why can't that fluently change because you got to have the nice car you got to have the big house that's what people are after right you got to go get those degrees so you can have all that stuff but the big house with no happiness in it though right oh for you sure. know, like these are the for things sure. you know like that we're faced with these days right that's it man i think that's where we're at right now people being unhappy they chase all these goals that aren't really goals you know got to get that bmw or whatever it is that you want to make yourself look good to other people, but, but I don't think it really makes people happy. Where do you fall in on that, that spectrum? Are you like kind of, are you a type of guy that's like, I got to have this and that? Well, and... I've never had money, so yeah. I don't know what it's like to have nice stuff. Um, I would honestly love a sweet car, like a muscle car. I've always dreamed about that, but that's not for like a social status symbol type thing. That's just because I want that or I want a nice house, but... I think for a lot of people, they're really scared of what other people think. I don't know if you're like that or not, but I think everybody has a little bit of that in them, for sure. I think for me, because, well, for one, I've never been a car person. Anybody yeah. who knows me knows that yeah. I've, I've never been a, like a whatever car. it is. It might not be a car, but. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just using yeah. like that is yeah. just like an overarching example. Yeah. The one, I think the thing that I get more of now is that I find like helping other people in life, the older that I get, the more that I realize I connect with that. Now that comes by way of like helping people out of like my personal choice, you know, like, so I would rather not heavily pay into a system that that other people decide how that help is gonna come and like where that funds like gets dispersed to. But, you know, like I love being able to seek out environments where it really, it really helps out, you know, yeah. like it really actually makes like a difference and I can see that difference and I can connect with that difference. And that's, that's a little bit more where I'm at now is understanding like, you know, like what is actual of like value to my life? You know, like we do a lot of work with the, the boys and girls club and, you know, in a lot of work within our community and, you know, like I'll, I'll never forget this one time where, you know, like this, this 14 year old girl came in, you know, and, you know, she's just randomly kind of like, spilling, you know, like, hey, you know, it's my birthday today. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm like, cool. I'm like, why didn't you say something before? You know, like, you know, like we would have like a birthday party. Yeah. And she's just like, well, she's like, I've never had a birthday party before. And I'm like, you're 14. You know, but then at that moment, I'm also realizing I'm just like, man, I'm like, I, I got to remember that, you know, everybody comes from different socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. I'm just like, okay. Um, so then I'm like, well, what kind of cake do you like? You know, I'm like, I'm gonna, we're gonna drop everything right now. You know, like one of my staff members is here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit up. I'm gonna get a cake wherever you want. You know, like Safeway, Save On, Dairy Queen, whatever you want. I'm like, get it. Just name your cake. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, wow, no, I've never had a birthday cake before. And now I'm like, just like, cause I got three girls. Now I'm choking back the tears. So I'm like, yeah. this shit's not cool with me, like yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. So there was four other girls here and they actually like sat down in like this little round table scenario on the floor. And all the different girls talked about like the different kind of cakes that they like. Yeah. You know, and so then they came up like, okay, we're gonna get this Dairy Queen ice cream cakes. You know, then I went to Dairy Queen and got this ice cream cake. You know, there's like components too, but like, you know, just the straight skinny behind it, come back. You know, bringing it in, like the tears are just running down her cheeks. Yeah, you know, she's yeah. so happy, and like these other, you know, like 
you know, you know, early teen girls, you know, like they're all a part of this. And I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, this is like, this is so not okay, but it's so amazing at the same time. Like, it's a good feeling, right? It was, it was an amazing yeah. feeling, you know. But I'm like, like this, this <laughs> child is 14, yeah. you know. Then I'm like thinking, I'm like, I'm this asshole, you know. And like my daughter's got this Thomas the Train thing going around, yeah. circling. Yeah. You know, we're at like bowling alleys, you know, like we're at, you know, like Great Escapes, Ninja Sports Club. All this kind of. I'm just like, man, like you, you just realize like how like we've kind of steered ourselves down like this direction of just like kind of forgetting about like things that are like truly important and you know because we're chasing like all these things i gotta be able to do these things and you know like we kind of lose sight of it but then you know like there's this this child out there where it's you know she's now had like this this birthday cake and this birthday and it was about her and you know like like she'll never forget that like i know as an adult like there's just certain things in your life like you don't forget yeah yeah so now i'm I'm just i'm so thirsty for those environments have you always been that way or is it no not really yourself you know i've always kind of been the person that has overextended myself for other people but i feel like i've never really defined what that means to me or like how i could do that in a lot better way um, what but was your I, like initial motivation to start training people, getting into the fitness world? I would was say it as a, a cool job or. Uh, well, my mom was always my mom was into the fitness industry. Uh, my mom, uh, she was on TV. She was like that woman, you know, like when you, you turned on say Channel Seven, for example, yeah. like in the morning she was doing like the step classes, you know, yeah. that everybody would do at home along yeah. with her. Um, you know, like I grew up in gyms as a result, you know, like she taught spin, you know, she had like this big classes at the YMCA with like 60 people. And I'm like, it was just, so I've always kind of been around it. I've always played sports. And then, you know, I moved out to BC from Alberta. I actually, you know, graduated from high school and I have no idea what I'm going to do. It so happened to one of our family friends, you know, he was out here flying helicopters in Abbotsford. He's like, this is the coolest shit I've ever done in my life. You should come do that. And I'm like, well, I have no idea what else I want to do. So I might as well go do this. And then I started working out at the gym in Aldergrove, Fitness Fanatics, before um, it was, I think it's Powerhouse now. Powerhouse, yeah. yeah. And um, the head trainer there, um, you know, he worked at Trinity Western University um, under Dr. Bill Luke. He's uh, Dr. Andrew Hemming. Oh, I know that guy, actually. I've seen his videos. He's got good stuff. Yeah, he does have good stuff, right? Yeah. You know, so just kind of like, you know, getting to know him, you know, working outside, he's like, you know, you should come to Trinity and, you know, like, you know, we'll, we'll get all your fitness. And I'm just like, well, I'm not, I'm out here to fly. I'm not out here to do yeah. this fitness thing. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you know, like, you know, something you're doing anyway, is something you're obviously passionate about and you should get into it. And then that, like, that's kind of how it like it opened the door yeah. to me. And, um, you know, then like, it was just, it was a, it was a fun environment to be in and it's still fun now, but I would say over the last three, four years, and this probably has a lot to do with me having three girls, is that I can't stand how the fitness industry predominantly is led down a road of like strict vanity. Like, oh buddy, yeah, for sure. Like it's just like, you know, like don't get me wrong, like everybody looks, likes to look at a nice ass, you know, but like when you have like 10, 15,000 likes on Instagram account, oh, and nobody knows what your face looks like, yeah. you know, all you're doing is like bum shaping exercise of yeah. this, that, and the next thing, it's like, you know, but then somebody's like, you know, hey, you, you know, if you eat, you know, like this salad, like every day, it can, you know, extend your life by 40%, you know, because you're not gonna get diabetes, you're not gonna get heart disease, you know, you're gonna live a better quality life, it gets like 10 likes. Yeah, for sure. Like, so that's where my passion kind of shifted, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, why is that? You know, like, 
we got to get past just the vain look because being in this industry for so long, I also know 99% of the people who look the best are so unhealthy on the inside, yeah. you know, and either that, you know, just comes from like an overall health standpoint or mental health, you know, but I know some people look amazing, have amazing bodies, and I could list like 15 reasons why they're unhealthy. They're unhealthy, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of, and again, connecting more back with it, and I'm a Southern Alberta farmer too, so there's just like, I have a connection with food, I'm just in general, that's how I was raised, but, um, you know, I, I, like that's what steers it towards me now, is that I think that all of us in the fitness industry just have a real social responsibility to like help get the message out there that fitness shouldn't be for vanity because we should be the front lines. We are the people who are talking to people every day and coaching them down a certain road. Yeah. And like the more people who irresponsibly are like, take this supplement, take these pills, take these steroids, you know, like only eat these five foods, you know, yeah. go on this detox, you know, dehydrate yourself. Yeah. Like, like that stuff irritates me to no end because you're like, you're, you're, you're irresponsibly coaching people to be unhealthy. For sure. You know, and like we are supposed to be the frontline people is saying like, this is how we can be healthy. And that's why I feel like just like the such value of you coming on here is because people will look at you and be like, you know, you don't need to do any of these things. Yeah. Like you have the gift, you have the card, you have the token that everybody yeah. wants, yeah. you know, but you're doing it. You're like, yeah. I understand this is a party because it has nothing to do with what yeah. my body looks like on the outside, you know, and I'm walking around, I yeah. got my shirt off. It's yeah. like, yeah, I got a six pack because I got a six pack, yeah. but like, I'm still drinking kill shakes that have nothing to do with my abs. Exactly, exactly. I think we have to get, <clears throat> we have to find a way for people to see the other side. I think it's as simple as that. Like, how do you get people who are unhealthy to see and feel what it's like to be healthy? I think that's all it would take, you know. Spend a couple of weeks being healthy and it'll be like a switch in your mind. Oh, this is what it's like? Because for me, yeah, I don't need to do it, but like I said before, I know the feeling of being healthy and the feeling of being unhealthy and uh, there's no comparison. No there really isn't. No. There, like, it's there almost really like, isn't. No, it's choosing to live your life like crap at you know a baseline level, or why don't you, or or choosing to live a life that's awesome and great, and you get so much more out of life when you're healthy. Why not make that decision? You know, and I think we were talking about this too last weekend, where it was the you know the the recommended daily allowances, like the RDAs, like on yeah. you know like micronutrients, and how like that is just for like a base layer of like you know disease prevention, you yeah, know, or like yeah. you know, but it has nothing to do with like optimizing us as human beings. Yeah, you know, like so like there's like people aren't even getting that, you know, but like that is just such a, a like like you're dipping your toes in the water, yeah, you know, but yeah. if you want to swim in the arena of performance as a human being, like there's just such a threshold over oh, and yeah. above that, yeah. you know, and like where we will never really truly, I don't think you ever understand the complexity of our bodies, but you know, for me, you know, like it's the experimentation and like, you know, like when you're, when your nutrition is on point, like there's just different things that happen in your mind and your body where you're just like, whoa, like you just, you feel like you're driving a Ferrari. Oh, for sure. Do you feel like for me, like it's, it's almost like I'm just on another level and I can feel that physically when you look at other people who are like, they're slouched over smoking a cigarette. It's like, man, I feel like I'm just on another level than those kind of people. And I think we just need to get those kind of people to see what the other side is like. And it, it won't even take much effort after that. To really see, and like, but everybody always associates it with <clears throat> such hard work. 
You know, so like it is how, work. Honestly, it is work. It's not like it doesn't take work. You know, so how would you re-educate people and looking at it differently like that that hard work is so beneficial why wouldn't you do it like if you had an opportunity to say like hey i'm gonna like i'm gonna try this strategy first you know like like what would that look like to you like raising awareness yeah yeah and just saying like you know what you know, living a healthy, active lifestyle, like it can be tough until you get into the rhythm of it. Like, and, but then it kind of, it gets easier because you crave it so much. But like, how, how do you get people to want to go through those first initial stages where it's like, yeah, you know, like it's going to be rough. It's, it's retraining your palate. You know, like it's, it is going to detox your body. Like it is a lot of physical work yeah. to be able to do these things, but you know, going to the gym, it will get easy. You know, doing a 5k run, you know, like will be easy, you know, like yeah doing all these things like have like the option and the opportunity to become relatively mediocre like yeah. effort wise but yeah. you gotta kind of get over like that that two month or like that six month hump of just like really wanting it that bad because you realize you how don't really good see anything in the first couple of months right no not I mean, at all yeah and like that's where it's like the yeah. glimpse of it like where people are like well okay well i stopped drinking for like a week and i kind of felt the same and it's like, well, but if you quit drinking for a week, but you're still stopping at McDonald's a few yeah. times a week, like you're probably still going to feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, but again, peeling all those things back at the beginning, like that's pretty extreme. It's going to throw people off. It's going to be too much change for them. So, you know, like where will passive education be the thing that actually truly works? Like, you know, even if it is warning labels on food, like will that keep pushing us down like the road of like eventually like one day will change i think you gotta honestly start with the the mind and work out like we talked about last weekend i started meditating um maybe about six weeks ago or sorry six months ago and man it's been crazy the differences i noticed with my mood with my motivation and that's beginning to train the mind so i think if you can do that with people then it'll be a lot easier to work you know towards the physical aspect of your life so start training the mind raise awareness for you know start meditating 10 15 minutes a day start with that how did you get into meditation like what what propelled you to get into it it's funny i actually just saw um an advertisement for headspace so it's a meditation app that you can get on your phone and uh you can try it out for free so i gave it a go and i was like whoa like that was awesome people don't have the knowledge of taking 10 minutes out for yourself you know sitting down in a dark room and really just focusing on yourself and not really worrying about what's going to happen in the future or shit that's happened in the past really just sit down and focus on who you are and yeah don't focus on anything all that other bullshit in life and i think those things will start to become a lot more clear to people like their flaws you know nutrition or whatever it is so we need to become more aware of that stuff and i think training the mind is really good for that for sure so you think it kind of it brings you more back to being like aware of all the other choices you're making in your life in general yeah i think so i think uh there's too much bullshit in our minds right now. We got so much to think about, right? How much? How much of that stuff do you think is necessary? Like out of all the things you think about a day, like how much do you think of it is critical to you thinking? Yeah, uh, probably not a lot of it. If you really sit down and think about it, like I told you, I've been training my mind now, and I realize these are the things that matter, and these are the things I should probably leave out of my brain. 
and I've been a lot happier for it. So I, yeah, it's definitely pretty important, I would say. Do you have any experience with doing training your mind or anything like that or yoga or whatever? Yeah, I find, because people have always said to me that I have an ability to be able to compartmentalize my life and you know, like my thoughts and, and I really didn't understand what that meant until I started meditating probably about 18 months ago or maybe almost two years ago my sister got me into it you know this um but like late kind of well yeah like summer ish fall ish of 2017 yeah. Yeah. and um and yeah like i i find that it allowed me to be able to understand what that meant to a greater degree because of the literature around it because i was the typical person that thought like you know like meditation was you know, lotus pose, meadow, complete yeah. peace, complete yeah. awareness. You know, I'm going for five hours, like I'm deep into this. And, yeah. you know, I realized I had such a distorted perspective on like what meditation actually was. So what I really connect with with meditation is that it can be 30 seconds or it can be five minutes or it can be an hour. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be in lotus pose. You can be sitting in a chair. Yeah. You can be, you know, sitting on the couch. Like you can be doing all these things. You just want to be sitting upright. Mm -hmm. You just want to be aware of just like sitting up, like being present and aware of that. So then that was like it gave all these options. It became more like accessible to yeah. me. Yeah. And then I realized that like meditation wasn't just about. I kind of had like this this perspective that meditation was you were getting to this state of nothingness but I realized that like yes it can be that where like you're just very cognitively clear time is passing you're not having thought like you're just you're completely with inside yourself but then I realized that like meditation can also be I have all this chatter going on in my mind again like what what do I need like in that like what what if that chatter actually means something yeah and I realized that like like what you said is a lot of that chatter doesn't mean anything and then you know, I was reading the this book about meditation and you know it's the it's closing those doors so if you have like 10 open doors you know but like only one really needs to be open or two mm -hmm. like how how do you decipher or how do you train your mind to be able to keep only those two doors open? But it's understanding which ones don't need to be. Because again, like our mind, we're constantly bridging these synapses between our neurons in our mind saying like this, 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 yeah. this is the avenue I want to pursue. This is what I want to think. This is the region of the brain I want to stimulate. Like this is the information I need to access. These are the memories I need yeah. to remember. Yeah. So when we train that, it's all about shutting the doors and understanding which ones to keep open. And then all of a sudden I started to realize, I'm like, I can analyze what I need to focus on to such a greater degree because now I become more focused on it. So it's yeah. like my mind was allowed to be able to problem solve mm -hmm. a lot easier, like stress management, yeah. um, like happiness. But then like the spinoff was I realized I'm like, you know, like when I'm working out or like when... I'm playing with my girls or when I'm doing like all these different activities, I became more present in just that. Oh, for sure. I think what you said, uh, that's a really good approach to take about it. You know, closing certain doors and keeping certain doors open. That's a good way of looking at it. For me, I've kind of looked more towards being okay with all those doors that are open and not really resisting so much. So, 
you know, you might not want to think about bad shit that happened when you were a kid or whatever, whatever is going through your mind at that time. I try not to resist it so much. Kind of just let, let it go, you know. Be happy if you have a busy mind or if you have a calm mind. Just be content with how it is in the present. And that's really helped me. Try not to resist so much. And uh, I think you said before, um, or I was thinking before, when you meditate, do you when you when things get a little more quiet in your mind, do you personally for you do you find things easier to 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 pick out things that maybe you need to work on or something that's been in your subconscious? For me, that's been a big part of it is really sitting down and then once I filter out all that crap, I can kind of see what's at my core. I don't know. You know, it sounds I, a little hippie-ish, but like you know, what, yeah. but again, like I I agree with you immensely. But the only thing it hasn't done in that regard maybe is allow me to be able to connect more with what I need for myself and maybe that's because the what I'm through the meditation I'm actually doing something for myself but what it's allowed me to be able to understand is is having the tools to be able to connect with of what the people around me need it seems like I when I meditate I end up having I always come back to having like these feelings of like okay well these people around me that I'm connected with I need to pick up on what they need from me because I have always have so much going on in my life in my mind that yeah. I feel like sometimes I can I can overlook those things or like I forget them. about those things yeah. and like really just kind of connecting with it and I was reading this book about how to be a better dad and like when I had my first hour, this was probably like like seven years ago yeah. and it was like you know when your child is walking down the street and they see that rock or that flower and you're pulling them by the arm you're like let's go let's go let's go you don't know what's going on in their mind they might that moment might be critical to a certain point of development because those are those little opportunities where they just they can just freely be themselves and they freely thinking like there's these thought process going on so i look at meditation as that is you know like really like it connects you with these moments and it and you know anybody who knows me knows that i'm not like i really have a hard time with things that like i can't explain or i can't research that science has proved you know but i really have been doing a lot of research now and how um they have proven that meditation really transforms the way that your brain processes information and they've studied that and like and how and like those feedback loops that have happened because of it and like you know just like the tracking it's like now there is science behind it and it's like so when i say if we meditate with each other i will feel a little bit more connected with you i actually think there's like there's a valid scientific reason i can back that like i've researched it's like i know that we are going to be a little bit more connected in that space at that moment and you know like that's what i like about you know like group meditation too and when you're in there and i think that's where you know say like when these environments where like there's a lot of cultures who you know like they sauna together or like like sweat lodges or you know like these like experiences where groups of people would go and they'd be completely silent you know like like monasteries like things like this because it start there's there's nothing else except for that just the connection with that person on a real primal level because you don't need to know what they like you don't need to know what they dislike you don't need to know what their political views are you don't need to know how they eat or what, what they value but you all you're going to do is you're going to feel how that person feels to you and i know that like how they that say those sounds. communities are ha- they're the happiest people in the world 
like what you were talking about the people in monks or I think in Asia and India they do a lot of that more uh, like community type type uh, I guess meditation. And you know why? Because like it, it, it also connects you with those people. Like you're taking the time out to value like another human being and saying like, I want to be able to spend this time with you. Like like our maybe more Western perspective on that is like, you know, like date night, movie night, the, like these kind of things. But like, I think there's a it's really- bullshit though. Yeah, I mean, no. like that's what I was just gonna say. I think there's a real difference of being like, like, if we went somewhere that was away from all of that chatter and we got away from even our own chatter and we just really allowed our bodies to understand who we are as people without ever saying anything, without ever doing anything, without performing a physical action, like I think that we would have better relationships with people. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I think people need to get away from their phones and... Uh... Yeah, get away from all that stuff and really, we've we've kind of lost that. I mean, I'm not that old, so I don't know what it was like, you know, in the '90s or '80s growing up. But I feel like we've kind of lost that whole being able to just hold a conversation with somebody or connect with someone because you know, you might be sitting with someone, talk for 30 seconds, and then it happens to everybody. You quickly, you look at your phone, right? There's a pause in conversation. You look at your phone, and then you kind of disconnect from that person. I think if I'm not saying that all the time don't have phones, but I think if we put ourselves in situations where we do put our phones away and we get together in a group type activity, then we can definitely connect more with each other. And it doesn't have to be just phones, you know, computers, whatever, all that stuff that kind of makes us disconnect as humans, you know, it might be healthy to take breaks from that and get together and really do the things like you were talking about community type stuff like sauna or whatever group meditations that kind of stuff but that's why i think that sports are so invaluable for people because oh, yeah. that's what they are i agree like, you know when you look at like you know anything that's like physical in a group environment like yeah. like sports and dancing like meditation army joining the army i feel like would be a big one yeah you know like all of these things have existed for thousands of years and I think like they've existed for thousands of years for a reason. Like yeah. because the thing is it, it it collectivizes everybody. And like even if it's like some brutal gladiator war games at the Coliseum, it's still unified people. Yeah. Like people went somewhere, they went yeah. for a reason, like there was this purpose. They talked about it, it created this culture, this community, like they were they were a part of like a movement, like they were there, this was their anthem. Like and that's the you can see it in, in today's world where we're we're striving for something to be able to latch yourself to. So like anything that sparks a little bit of a flicker of a flame inside of us. We want to latch onto it immediately, and I think that's why like a lot of like bullshit social justice campaigns end up starting is people just need something. Like, yeah. you know, people are like, "Well, I'm not accepted accepted somewhere else, so like I'm gonna latch on to like this flat Earth bullshit." Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. like, well, okay, like let's if that's where we're at. Yeah. You know, like we need to kind of draw back a little bit and say, okay, well, why are a lot of these countries that don't have as much opportunity as we do for everything in life, are they more successful? They're a little bit more happier than we are. Like they're more content as a culture. They're more content as people. But like, like we have just this overarching need to be able to have access to everything, you know, be plugged into everything all the time and never take ourselves away from that because... You know, like even when people are like, like you know, like you're in the back country all the time, and I'm like, just I love it. 
you know, I, I wish that I could take like 50 or 100 people there with me and just be like, hey, like, let's go like 20 miles deep yeah. where yeah. you're away yeah. from everything. Yeah. You know, like there's no more cell phone reception. Like there's no nothing. It's just the land. It's you as a as a being in the land and, and that's it. You know, because, you know, through that whole process, you know, like everybody that I've gone to the bad country with, whether it's something in the daytime or like in, at nighttime or anything, like you come back and you always feel more connected yeah. with that person. And a lot of that time is spent with like real passive communication when you're hiking when you're going like it like nobody constantly talks no you know like there's periods where you might go hours where nobody says like a word but like you always know that person's there like you're always connected with that feeling of that person and the deeper you get into the backcountry like i always feel like that connection just gets stronger oh yeah yeah i agree what kind of hiking have you done talk about everything 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 there's there's at this point in time but like i would say the only thing that i haven't done when it comes to hiking is probably just like the the next evolution of it which would be like rock climbing or something like that but you know whether it's like you know short hikes long hikes vertical hikes flat hikes you know like you know deep access hikes like just there's like everything like the hike that i really wanted to do this summer which i probably won't do till next summer um because i actually want to find it with like mike and those guys from north shore search and rescue because mm-hmm. i want to start at alouette lake yeah and hike the uh hike the valleys all the way to whistler oh yeah that's huge yeah it's like total uncharted territory like has anyone done that or? i don't know like i uh, like yeah, I looked at it online. Like, uh, there might have been some, but like, it, it it would be a real different kind of experience. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, is there? There's no path to follow. Do you, you know, have like backcountry experience like that? Uh, yeah, I grew up in the backcountry. Okay. So, like, you know, when I was young, you know, like, my dad used to take me into the backcountry for yeah. two, three weeks at a time. You know, like, yeah. we'd be 30, 40 miles deep and, yeah. like, you know, sleeping in tents for yeah. weeks at a time. Like, all that kind of stuff. Quads, horseback. So, like, you'd be fine with it. You wouldn't, like, freak out or anything. Right? No, and, like, no, like, solitude. Like, I think people, I think pe- the only people who don't really like solitude, I think, are just scared of themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think that's the one thing that meditation brings to you is it connects you back with the the value of solitude. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the backcountry, like I love so many different aspects behind it where it's the, I have to rely on myself. I have to know that I have enough knowledge about life and life experience and just overall skills that I could provide for myself at any point in time. Yeah. You know, that I have this vehicle I call my body that can actually pull something like that off because there is a point in time in our lives for thousands and thousands of years that you had to have that ability or else you would die. It's only recently that, you know, people can get away with not having that kind yeah. of availability. Yeah. And plus like you learn so much about yourself. Like oh, sure. like any little thing that like that is a defect in your character gets heavily exposed when you're in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if you don't like to be alone, you know, like if, if you, you know, you don't know how to provide for yourself, you don't know how to make something, you know, like if you, like all these different situations come up, like you see a bear, like, are you going to like lose your shit and yeah, you know, like yeah. just crumble yeah. and cry or, you know, like, yeah. you know, like just all of these kind of things, you know, like, do you have, you know, do you have what it takes to be able to take the life of another living being to be able to provide for yourself and, you know, be okay with that because it's not out of joy, but it's out of that you just need to survive, you know, like, it's like these kind of things where you you learn so much about it. And I think that, 
you know like there's a reason why like a lot of cultures kind of sent people off on their own like these real personal journeys of solitude to be able to learn about themselves and test their character and say okay what do you need to come back and learn yeah you know like and we don't really have anything like that now and like you know where you were saying about the the military like like there is a lot of countries when you look at like patriotism and like you know involvement nationally like all these countries that like have mandatory service for like a year or two like those citizens are patriotic beyond belief oh yeah and they're more unified as a nation because of it so you think that's a good thing to kind of force people into it i think it's a good thing to force people into it i think at the age that people get forced into it, they'll never understand the value. But I think as they age, they will all come back typically and be like, I understand like that. We're now, talking 17, 18, around Absolutely. There, right? Yeah, like somewhere think, around there. You know, and I like, I think it'd be like when kids graduate from high school, you know, to be able to, you know, get out there and do it because of the fact that it's a different if you're. If you're being forced to fight a war that doesn't make sense, you know, like like nobody believes it, nobody buys it. It's like you know some like you know some bullshit that we shouldn't be involved in anyway. That I get. That I don't agree with anybody being forced to sacrifice their life for some political bullshit for yeah. whatever the reasons. Yeah. But if you're looking at like mandatory services in the aspect of um, we need this dam built or we need these canals dug or you know like if we need to clean up um our shorelines or you know just like just these kind of works you know like where they they would benefit the public as a whole like um i think there would be like you just you build strength like you build stronger relationships it's going to test your character you're going to be put in like different kind of environments you know like where you in just the sense of feeling like a part of a team you know Mm -hmm. because you know, I challenge some of these, you know, youth that have been on the podcast before about how, you know, maybe you can answer this for me too, is that because we have in the next about 10 years, we're going to have a massive population of people starting to have kids who have never been physically active before. Oh yeah. So yeah. how are they ever going to connect their children with being physically yeah, active? Yeah. Can I just take a quick pee break? Yeah, you can. hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. And, um, you know, so then that's something that, like, you know, again, like anybody who's, like, listening to podcasts before, you know, that, you know, I'm extremely passionate about is that, you know, like, what what do we do in these situations? And, you know, like, and what systems do we have in place, you know, that can counter these children being lost? You know, because I look at some of the most valuable situations that I've been in in my life and... You know, even still, you know, like we just talked about going to the backcountry with like a, a big group of people. But, you know, when I play basketball, you know, like with my buddies or, you know, like if we go like paddle boarding or hiking or we go for a run or we run some stairs, you know, like anytime that, you know, you're doing that with a community of people that authentically are enjoying what they're doing or you feel that there's a purpose behind it, and like those situations, I really feel like help define me who I am as a person you know, even at 35, you know, and I probably still only 50% know who I actually am as a person, you know, but like when you talk about these kids who are in their late teens, just graduating from high school, who don't know who they are, you know, like it's going to help them just be able to foster the environment to figure out who they are and set them up for success in life in general. Oh, I totally agree. We gotta, yeah, we gotta do something. Like, we know, like, where there wouldn't be sports, you know, do we get into something, like, you know, like, like hunting mandatory, or like, shooting or something like that? Or? 
But I think it's like it's like anything, you know. And the tough part is, is like when you start making things mandatory, you get a big part of you know a lot of pushback. It's like, who are you to tell me what I can and can't yeah. do, yeah. you know? But like, like there's also this social responsibility into it. Like when it comes back to this whole like you know, sugary foods and like this eating terrible thing. It's just like, well, if what we are doing is actually hurting our nation as a collective whole, who steps in when and how? That's a good question. That's a million dollar question right there. Because if it's the government, if it's like fucking government stepping in where they don't believe in, like, like I said, there's there's components of the government that like I also don't believe that. Well, who they is the be government? Is it, I well, feel like we are supposed the, to be the, the government. The issue is that I think everyone has this idea of the government, the big bad government. Really, like, who is the government? You know. But that's Trudeau? the thing is, like, we are supposed to be like, yeah, but, exactly. I but agree. we choose yeah. not to exercise our rights as Canadian citizens. Because the thing is, even for me, like going through this process with trying to get this petition in front of the House of Commons in, yeah. in September, I realized I don't know shit about how our government is run. Yeah. I don't know my rights as a Canadian. I don't know the whole process. I don't know how all these systems work. Uh, and the one thing that I found through all this is that a lot of this stuff is really simple. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not as convoluted as what we think it is. Like. Like the process, would, depending on what you're trying to do, might take a long time. There might be a lot of convoluted steps to be able to get there, but that's just life. Yeah. You know, so the government's not going to be any different in a way, but like, you know, I, like where you said, like, you know, big bad government doing this, it's just like, well, how many people ever stand up? It's like the same person who bitches about how shitty their job is, and you're like, well, why don't you change your job? And they're like, well, you know, and it's just like, then it's like this laundry of excuses why they're not willing to change their job either. Yeah. You know, but like, why are we like that as a culture? You know, like, it's just, if we want change, like, we have a chance to change. You know, like, why is everybody so passive about wanting change? Do people know what they want, though? I think that's maybe a better question. Do we do we know that we want to be healthier? Or does it seem like the norm to everybody? You know what is the norm to people, though, is getting lifestyle disease. Yeah. Like that's the norm. Like, oh, I'll just I'm get cancer. Oh, I'll just. Yeah, you're like, well, cancer is inevitable. And, and the one thing is, to me, it's like when people talk about, like, well, why, why are so many people getting cancer now? It's like, well, I can tell you, but even if I tell you, you are probably still not going to do anything long term to be able to change you getting cancer or reducing your risk of getting cancer. Because this is what I say to people: it, it can be this easy, like literally this easy. So I'm like, okay, so you don't want to work out cool don't work out you don't want to lift weights you don't want to do cardio fine watch tv go to work watch tv do whatever you want to do you want to keep drinking two beers a day absolutely fine you want to eat mcdonald's every day absolutely fine keep doing all that shit don't change any of that but you know what if you sauna for 40 minutes four times a week you'll reduce your all-cause mortality by 40 percent without changing any of that it can be even that simple yeah. You know, like all cause mortality, you know, like mm -hmm. cancer, lifestyle disease, like all of these things, like 40% reduction. And that is the only thing that you've changed is like, hey, I'm going to go sit in a sauna that's hot as shit for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, for an hour, whatever. But like all I have to do is go sit in a sauna, something that we all theoretically enjoy. But people won't even do that. Yeah. You know, and like the thing is, like the cost of that is so minimal because every rec center has a sauna yeah yeah 
And like the like to me it's like you know I don't even know why most of them do because they never get used. But if you said okay, well if that's it, that's as simple as it can be. You don't have to change anything else in your life, but just do that consistently, week after week, month after month. That that might be a regime, but people won't do that either. Yeah, again, people don't really know, right? Like they, they they listen to a guy like you and they say the sound is pretty good, but how do we get them again it goes back to that how do we get them to actually physically feel it and see it because that's all it's going to take in my opinion because once they realize they realize you know so i guess the this would be the the thing behind that is the movement of people who are doing it growing how do you change people's minds um about the way that they already think you know like it's breaking the mentalities of that and i think that this is where it comes back to like some education too and it's just it's a real long-term strategy it's not a five-year fix or a 10-year fix it's like a generational fix but it's breaking the mentalities of like how we've got into like oh they're kids they can get away with it and just eating like shit and living a shitty lifestyle because the thing is that used to be maybe some homemade cookies like that was probably, or maybe like a pie or a cake, homemade, home, like like your mom, your grandma, somebody made that at home, or you got it from somebody else who made it from, like it was rare that it would ever come from a store. But now it's like sour keys at school from your teacher. It's like, I want the cookies in my lunchbox, like my little mini chips of Hawaii ones, these little tiny ones are, they're better because they only have a hundred calories in them. You know, it's probably like my pop or my juice that I'm drinking. You know, it's like maybe my freezy if it's a hot day, you know, like, is that that like we've we've got such a distorted perspective of like what people should and shouldn't be able to get away with that's where i think that's the we need more education at the same time we need less accessibility and more people saying like hey this is kind of the way like i don't think it it's it's one strategy like i think that if we have graphic warning labels on food like we do on cigarettes and at the same time saying, well, okay, if 90% of the shit in our grocery stores we shouldn't be eating anyway, like, let's reduce that. You know, and if you if you want to be a part of the collective that has their stuff in a grocery store that may be 15,000 square feet now instead of 30,000 square feet, and these are just, like, the, the products we're going to have, and that if you want your shit food in here, you're going to have to be, have, pay a premium to get your shitty food like in here. Like a Whole Foods type place? Yeah, you know, and yeah. if you want... If I think you want we're to starting be, to see a lot more of that now. Yeah, you know, but the thing is there's this thing behind Whole Foods that only rich people go there. Yeah. You know, I don't have the money to shop at Whole Foods. Yeah. You know, but if there was... Say if you... Like, look how many, look how much pop is in a pop aisle. And then a whole aisle is pop, and then a whole aisle is, like, juice boxes and all that kind of shit. You know, like, but what if there was one aisle that was half as long that had pop and juice boxes? And if you were Coca-Cola or Pepsi and you wanted to have your, your products in there that you had to pay a premium to get in there, because we don't want it in a grocery store anyway. But if you still want to flog your shit, you'd have to pay a premium to be able to get it in there. So there was just, there was less accessibility to the products, um, you know, because it's like we go through food shortages of produce, you know, like all of a sudden there won't be pomegranates in a store. Yeah. Because yeah. they're seasonal, but like there's always Coca-Cola, you know, so like what if there just wasn't as much accessibility at the same time that there's these graphic warning labels and at the same time that there was just more people, you know, willing to step outside the box because... I know when people listen, like there's a lot of people listening to this podcast now, they're just like, that's how I feel. But I also know because of the shit that I hear, 
that there's also the people that are just like, oh, Blake, you're just, you're so extreme and you've surrounded yourself with people who think extreme like you. And it's like, well, no, it's just, these are people who want change, who understand like, hey, I live on the other side of the spectrum knowing how amazing my body can feel. Like, and not understanding why everybody doesn't want to feel that way too. You know, I say, okay, well, maybe you can't get to where I'm at right now, but like, let's all keep going down that way. Like, you know, where Instagram has done that great thing now where they, they've taken away how many likes you can see to see if people will just like it by default because like 10,000 other people have liked it. Do you actually like it or are you jumping on the bandwagon? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, it's interesting when- interesting that you said that actually, that you brought that up. It's definitely yeah. a big move. They made that. Huge move, you know, huge move. And I think that those kind of things are key because it'll take a lot of like the superficial side of it where it's like, again, like it's also passive education where if you're looking at, okay, well, you know, 4,000 other people have already liked, you know, like this next girl standing in a sports bra where you can see her. I was like, yeah, she looks amazing. Like it's never taking anything away from the personal accomplishment, but it's more like, are you liking because you actually like it or you see 4,000 other people have liked it? Yeah. Like that's passive education to kind of go through that. But like why, if we looking at it from an education standpoint, like what if that person was just like wearing a t-shirt that said, I love vegetables. You know, where like people just see like these continued messages because the continued message we see now is, you know, like cocoa pebbles, fruit roll-ups, you know, O. Henry, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, Starbucks, Frappuccino, like, you know, Because it's cool. They market it in a way to make it cool, right? Yeah, you know, but it's like, but it's just that it's it's marketed in general, you know, but we don't let um, cigarette companies advertise anymore. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it, like it's had a massive reduction on how many people smoke. Like, we you know, what if what if these companies weren't allowed to be able to peddle their crap on TV? Like, and the hard thing is watching cartoons with your kids on TV and seeing like how much junk is being just like pushed on them. You know, like what if that just wasn't there? And again, it's like that passive education where like instead of those commercials, it was more like, you know, like commercials about farmers markets commercials about shopping in the produce section you know you know living a healthy active lifestyle like getting outside like playing at a local water park playing at the park getting together with your friends like it was training that message you know so people could get out there and it was just changing the landscape in the arena of even like what people are growing up in yeah well what would be the alternative to that like maybe moving out to the forest and not sending your kid to school homeschooling your kid growing all your own food doing everything yourself I mean, that's something that you could do to kind of get away from all that. But, I but it's like not a long-term talking, success strategy, I feel though, like right? what you're talking about right now is, it's unfortunately, it's just culture, you know? It's the way it is. And it's really only a culture that we have here. You know, in but North we, America? Or yeah, like Canada and the United States, yeah. you know, or any countries Europe, that right, kind of, yeah. But like, you know, like when you look at a lot of countries in Europe, they don't fight the same battles we do. But we think they do because they're developed nations like what we are. You know, but they don't. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at even um, like fridge sizes in Europe, fridge sizes are Tiny. way smaller than what they are here. You know, so like even when we look at little things like that, yeah. you know, like why why do we have such? But like, you know, people are going out and they're getting fresh stuff. If your fridge is smaller, that just you would automatically draw the conclusion you're going out and getting fresh fresh food. So because of that, like your your society, like your nation is going to be a lot more healthy just because of that. You know, where it's like all these like these little things. And the thing is, they've never changed. Like we've always just thought that like, what we know is better. Yeah. So yeah. we've changed it and we think that we've looped the whole world into it. But there's a lot of the world that's like, I don't understand why you guys are doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like we're we're 
where in the world do you think would be a good example of how life should be? If you had to just From like a health yourself. and wellness standpoint? Yeah. yeah. I think Sweden, you know, always kind of comes up as like one of like the, the big ones because yeah. they're just like, they're so progressive and like they really, you know, like even like, oh, I wish I could remember what this statistic was, but like how many fast food restaurants they have, you know, like, you know, per person based on like, you know, like a lot of other developed nations is like yeah. astronomically low, Yeah. you know, and like just like all these kind of things where like they have, you know, and they really take it like to like next level to, you know, like where, you know, like people bike a lot more, you know, instead of drive, you know, um, you know, like people sauna, you know, like is a part of like culture, like all these kind of things, like they're very, um, like they're very progressive, but also not progressive because they've just never done anything different. Like we look at it as that they're being progressive. They just look at this is just what we've always done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's we went wrong with our government or who we elected to be our government. But so it's definitely, this is it's definitely a, kind of like a North American thing, though, I would say. Because even if, if you go to, like, Mexico or South America, it's way different than here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But see, so this is, what, this, this is what I was kind of thinking. I had this conversation with somebody today is that, like, do you think – because I'm a huge fan of capitalism, absolutely wholeheartedly – but like capitalism really like the foundation of it is gluttony. Yeah. So people came from Europe to North America based on like this foundation of capitalism. Do you think that it is just inevitable progression of like this system we came here chasing? I think with this many people in the world, it's probably too late to go back on it now. I mean, how do you change? How many people are in Canada? Like 30 million, I think. 37 million. 37 million. Yeah, how do you change um, what those people know and what they what they think is proper? You know, and, and again, I think Capital. a lot of it is like is you're looking at generational change. But you know, like with that generational change, like why didn't we start like? like First of all, I think we have too many people ago. in the world. I don't know if you feel that way. But. Oh, absolutely. There's 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 more people on the planet now there's ever been ever. You know, yeah. and it's and like we we've proven that like we you know we don't even have the resources to be able to sustain the amount of people who are in the world right now. And um, you know, just because like through natural selection, like people just would have would have died. Like we 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 keep people alive now. You know, when before they would have died. So like, you know, they, there medicine, would have been, right? you know, yeah. like, yeah, with like, you know, Western medicine or just, you know, like people can survive with a condition longer than what they would have before. And like, you know, like in all these things fundamentally, like they're great, but there's always like a, like a positive and a negative that come along with any situation in life. And, you know, like where we are keeping around a lot more people, like there is a lot more taxation on our planet. And I think we are feeling that you know, from a global community that there's this heavy burden on our planet that isn't sustainable. It's scary, man. I think, I think we've gone too far, honestly. What do you think of things like, like global warming and all that kind of stuff? <clears throat> it's all our, I, I think it's all our fault. And, uh, it's definitely a thing. I, I, when people say it's not a thing, I think like, how can you deny it? You know, how can you deny that all this pollution and all this consumerism and all this all these other things that we've kind of built a name around as a human society are okay when you look at our planet man it's just it's going to shit you know yeah like don't you think it, it's it's interesting even from like i don't know if you you've seen it floating around online about how 
that Amazon tribe stood up against like those um, mining or logging companies and actually won that court battle that where they're going to clear cut like that one section of the Amazon. Yeah, course. I remember that. Yeah, and um, you know, but like it's just it's so interesting with that that even in today's day and age, like from a global community that we look at that oh yeah we have enough trees. Yeah. You know, because on the flip side of that you also see like how there's these you know. There's like um, that community in India that I think just planted like a million or two million trees. You know, like there's like there's just like there's all these communities and these individuals planting all these trees to be able to help counter it. You know, and then you have like you know places like Russia that you know have found like those those woolly mammoths or whatever, and they found like DNA, and they're just like, well, if we start you know bringing back woolly mammoths, you know, like and they'll help offset like the carbon footprint somehow, you know, like all this kind of stuff, and it's like you know why can't we just be a little bit more socially responsible, you know, like you know when it looks like you know we had you know hemp and marijuana illegal for like how many years, but like we look at that we can we can make paper, we can make clothes, we can make you know like homes and stuff like that, you know, by using like hemp related products, you know, but we are so socially irresponsible and we we're so narrow minded, we didn't even look at like the long term effects, you know, and like there's still people you know who you know like live in in that generation and. You know, like you see it even with Elon Musk releasing his technology on the internet saying like, hey, look, I've spent billions of dollars coming up with this technology. I only just want people to use it. Take it. It's here for free. There's no patents on it. Yeah. Use it. Do whatever you want with it. It's yours for the taking and people wouldn't do it. Like car companies wouldn't take it. Now more car companies are forced because he's changed that landscape. But like that's even like how ignorant we are today in 2019. Yeah. I think we need more guys like that to start with. Yeah. That guy is a genius. I like that you brought that up. Have you been in the Tesla before? Yep. Those things are pretty sweet. Yeah, they are. They're amazing. Yeah. It's just like, it's the one thing that I say to people being in a Tesla is it really represents like how like close-minded, how narrow-minded we've been for so long. Yeah. You know, because when you get in that car, like you legitimately feel like you're in the Jetsons. Oh, for like hundred sure. percent. Like it even sounds like one, right? Yeah, but like the problem is with that though is like that shit should be old technology by now. Oh, I totally agree. Like it should be like it should be outdated, like you know, like a like um like dial up internet, you know, or you know, like it's yeah. just sitting there forever. You know, it takes like twenty minutes to log on the internet, or like you know, like a old school brick cell phone, you know, like yeah, just yeah. like stupid shit that doesn't make sense Gas anymore. engines don't really make sense. They don't, they, they, they literally make zero sense. Like we're destroying know, our planet so we can drive around in cars. And it like, it completely unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And like, I think that's the key thing. Like what Elon Musk is showing is that like, you know, like we're living in such an unnecessary phase, you know, of life. But even when we know, like even when a guy who creates and is like one of like, like, a person who is creating artificial intelligence and pushing it forward, he says like, look, I will completely stop doing what I'm doing if everybody else does too, because this is how detrimental this is gonna be to our planet and to us as people, that we should scrap this AI program altogether. But people are just like, no, 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 we got this. Yeah, well, tell me a little bit about that. What, what was that? Yeah, man, I can't even remember like the full extent and the details behind it, but like, you know, I remember when he, um, I was reading this press release that he did, and I think I even remember like Joe Rogan talking about it a couple times on his podcast too, is that, you know, like basically um, Elon Musk was saying like, I can see the future of how raw or how 
this technology is going to go wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And like you know, like it, like it is going to take us down that morbid path that we all think it's going to like one day, whatever the face of that may be. Like it's not beneficial to our society to have artificial intelligence in it. So like if everybody else walks away, like the problem is that even if everybody in the United States and Canada and all these places did, like you would still have some asshole country that's like I'm going to sneak it in because somebody else might be sneaking it in too. For sure. Like again like case in point with like nuclear weapons you know like well i gotta have mine because somebody else has theirs too and then you know like somebody else might be developing a program so i gotta keep mine to be able to force them to not have theirs and like there's like that cat and mouse game where like we're always trying to one-up each other and always try to have hand and foot on top of each other but it's like more you know like when do when do we just collectively agree like there's some shit that's just bad and like we should all say okay like this is just bad. Like nobody wants like to nukes, go there. Like get rid of nukes or something like that, right? Yeah, like you know, like nuclear weapons, because you know, like there's gonna be, like I, I, I would find it really hard to argue the point that there's not gonna be some asshole at some point in time, whether it's in five, ten, fifteen, fifty years, whatever, like the threshold of time is, that somebody's gonna do it. Yeah. You know, like. There's just, there's too much tension. Then you see, you know, like ultra controversial people getting into like offices or like, Trump. you know, like Trump, <laughs> but even like Putin though, right? You know, yeah. like, like Putin is like a straight up stone cold gangster. Oh, for sure. Like you just yeah. like gangster, like a world dominating gangster. Like, and yeah. you're going to tell like one day that somebody's just not going to push him a little bit too far. Yeah. You know, like the shit that he's done in this world is just like uncanny. And to think that like, I think it'd be irresponsibly irresponsible to think that like one day that if somebody didn't push him far enough that he wouldn't do it. But then you also have the like like North Korea and these places too, where it's just like strictly, you know, like whether or not they can or can't do it or they actually have the technology or not, if somebody simply gave it to them because they're just like they don't want to be the face of it saying like okay, well, we're just going to drop this nuke off, you know, and like, you know, if you happen to shoot that shit at the United States or, you know, whoever, like, we just don't want it to have like a, you know, Russian flag on it, you know, like, or whatever that may be, right? It's like, you know, but like, you can see it happening because I think the landscape of like respecting like other people in this world seems at times like it's deteriorating because people want to be more hostile towards each other than accommodating. You know, and I was actually walking through my neighborhood the other day and I was looking at this and I was like, why does almost every house in my neighborhood have cameras on it now? And I don't live in a shitty neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, so you're really saying, okay, well, there's a 16 inch TV in every single house now. Yeah. So my 16 TV is going to be more valuable than somebody else's. Yeah. Well, no, that's actually not true. Yeah. You know, like, well, I'm doing it to be able to keep my family safe. And it's like, well, we actually don't live in that scary of a world. Yeah. Realistically. Realistically. You know, but like whatever happened, like, you know what the old school security cameras on people's houses used to be? <laughs> your neighbor just being like, what motherfucker are you doing yeah, on that guy's sure. lawn, man? Yeah. That's not your lawn. Yeah. That's Joe's lawn. Yeah. Get off his lawn. Yeah. You know, For like sure. that's what old school security cameras used to be. But there's not that anymore. No, man, people are greedy. People want to hit the lottery, too, like people who want to come steal stuff or come vandalize. That's why you can't live in those bad neighborhoods, man. Yeah, but again, <laughs> like, it comes back to that whole like thought press or like, what we were talking about, where it's like the, you know, we just, we, we're not there for each other. You know, like we kind of steer a little bit more 
being there for each other yeah. you know like it's yeah. just like simply like hey this is for the the greater good like this is who we are you know like this is who we should be as people because you know like yeah i'm not gonna be out for myself anymore like you know when it comes back to they like, say like that 14 year old girl i say i'm in my mind i'm like man i'm like if, if i don't eat all day tomorrow and i only had the money to be able to do that i would rather do that for sure right you know what i mean but like you know, and I'm not saying that I'm like probably like two percent of like a good human being yeah, realistically, yeah. but you know, when it comes down to it, it's just like if everybody like you know like once a day comes back to like that golden rule, like you know, treat other people how you want to be treated. Like we don't really do that anymore. No, you know, I think there's like that kind of like concept that floats around in our mind because we've heard things like that. We kind of feel like we should be like that, but there's there's no like I remember learning about the golden rule in school. You know, like it was something that we yeah. learned in class. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, you know, like, I don't even, I, I don't know. I guess I should ask my daughter if they learn stuff like that in, in class now. But, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things, like, over time that we've really lost to be able to give people, like, unbridled, like, individual rights. You know, I think like, a lot of things have been watered down. Like, just being a good person, trying to do other, do things for other people. I don't, I don't think we focus enough on... Um, emphasizing that in our systems now school systems whatever it is I mean <clears throat> like one of the things that I find kind of funny is bullying for example you know they really focus on oh well bullies shouldn't be bullies at school don't do this when if somebody something happens to you you know go tell a teacher you might get in trouble for hitting him back but Man, I think we should just, as a society, we should teach people to be more primal, I guess mm. you could say. Like if a bully is picking on you, go hit him. Hit him back, you know. Defend yourself. Well, Defend that's, what, that's what I say to my oldest. I'm like, look, if you ever come home or if a teacher ever calls me and says, like, hey, like, you were picking on this kid or, like, you beat on this kid for, like, no reason, yeah. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. But if, if your teacher calls me at home or the principal calls me at home and is like, you know, hey... You know, like your daughter, you know, like this person was doing this and she like just cracked him. I'd be like, I just told her, I'm like, it's not that I'm going to condone it, but I'm like, there's that point that like you need to stick up for yourself. And I'm like, if there's that feeling inside of you that's just like, I need to stick up for myself right now, stick up for yourself. Yeah. Like, don't be the, don't be the coward. You know, like you, like, like I said, like being an instigator is not okay, but defending your personal sovereignty is absolutely critical. Yeah. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, like who is the government and what do people actually want to like fight for? People just got to stop being pussies, man. Like stand up for what you think is right and what you want for yourself. And I think it'd be a, 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 a lot different world if people did that. See, because it goes back to like a, a podcast I did before about how like, you know, kind of like the, like the proverbial, like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, yeah. you know, but it's like, there's far more people who want to bitch in today's world about stupid shit than the ones that actually want to stand up and promote change. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, and I look at it and this is always like the real tough, because like, it gets ultra controversial, you know, people always want to have like, but there's that one tech company in the States, you know, that's quote unquote unnamed, you know, it's in Tech Valley or Silicon Valley, but when that one of the employees launched a, a complaint with the human resources department because he identified as a cat and there wasn't litter boxes in the bathroom. What? Like how messed up is that? That is messed up. But like that's that's 
that's the world that we live in now. Or a person like Jordan Peterson who just was like a pariah because he's like, I'm not going to call you Zer or in like whatever it was. Like yeah. just not buying into I like his it. Have you read any of his books or anything? I listen to his podcast yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah. He's got and a lot of good stuff to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the one thing that I really love about Jordan Peterson is that, you know, he talks a, a lot about, you know, like just kind of letting people be, being a little bit more primal, like even with like with your kids, you know, like let them fend for themselves. They will be able to figure it out. Like, like we are designed, we would not be here today if like our youth were that, um, that vulnerable or, you know, that breakable, you know, that if we didn't hover over them all the time that they wouldn't be here because nobody would be here today as a result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like we need to let them go because, you know, I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody about how, you know, the reason why it's so dangerous for kids to go out nowadays is not because it's actually dangerous because we don't are them. When I grew up, it was strength in numbers. If you're going to go out, grab your crew. Yeah. Everybody goes. Yeah. Strength yeah. numbers. They taught you in school. The police would come to your school and tell you. Your parents taught you. Everybody said strength in numbers. There was propaganda. There was strength in numbers. You know, like people, you know, they won't be able to bully you. They won't do anything to you if you have strength in your numbers. Yeah. You know, but like now, like because we won't even let our kids outside, you know, like those few parents who do let their kids outside, there's like one or two or three kids walking around a neighborhood. They are vulnerable. You know, there is a predator out there just like that child is at that park by themselves. That child is playing basketball by themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, and I see it all the time. You know, like there'll be like one child at a at a school, like at six, seven o'clock at night playing basketball by themselves. Like when I grew up, there was probably like 20 kids there. Yeah. You know, like you were waiting your turn to be able to get on the court because there's just people there. You know, so like that would be the reason to me why, because like, you know, because we live in this hyper protective society, we don't even allow kids like the opportunity to be able to develop the skills to understand risk management, you know, or even have like the opportunity to be able to defend themselves if like that time comes up with a social network that they can then trust and they can leverage those relationships later on in life. I feel like it's so wrong to teach kids to like run to somebody and tell, like tell on someone. It doesn't really fix anything. It doesn't really teach them skills to become a better person in the rest of their life. Like Jordan Peterson actually talks about that where he said that, you know, kids nowadays, it's not about conflict resolution amongst their peer networks. All it is is who can leverage the adult's opinion to get them to side with them. Yeah, for sure. Totally, right? And you like, see it everywhere. Yeah, who's going to get them to, to trust them better and to take their word for what actually happened? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. So, um, but yeah, man, like like we just like burnt off like two hours. I think we should we should wrap this thing up, man. Like that, Sounds uh, good, man. That's we like covered the some vortex of time. Yeah, yeah it was so, good. Thanks, man, for coming. Is there anything else that you like want to drop in there before we? Uh, I know we pro- we had kind of that's the way this podcast always goes. We have like this certain like I'm like okay, we should talk about yeah. these things and kind of just like end off on like, these tangents other yeah, places. Yeah. But that's that's organic conversation though, right? But is there anything else that you want to uh, throw out there before we shut it down? Just uh, tell me a little bit about what it's like to be to be a personal trainer in the beginning because I'm just starting on this this path. And uh, any any advice is good advice right now. You know what? I would say it's like it's like anything. You know, it's like any other career in life or any other component. Where like it's just it's a lot of work. You know, like putting in your dues. I like guess it's, it's not like this this ad that we see online where it's like you know make a hundred dollars an hour as a trainer, like all those kind of things. Yeah. And 
like I see you being success, successful at it because like you understand what the real message should be. Like the real message should be, you know, like this is about like, you know, like, like health and it's about like us as people, you know, so like getting, educating, you know, people on that and, you know, just getting out in as many different environments as you can. Cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of people are just getting out to like, you know, be trainers. They have like this, this singular goal in my, like I want to train like this certain type of person or I want to be in a certain type of environment. You know, but like when you're first getting out, it's kind of like take like everything anybody. you can get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, like I remember, um, and I still actually see some trainers doing it now or getting into it, where just so people can see you, you know, it's like going to a gym at busy times and like working out, so people it's like, hey, I really like what he's doing, you know, like you know, getting like a little bit of advertising out there so they know that it's actually a service that you offer if they see what they like and. Um, I know a lot of people, including myself, you know, like you're training people for free just at busy time. So people see you training other people. So they associate with you being like a trainer and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I would say like the biggest thing is now compared to when I first started doing this is staying current. You know, it's like when I first began personal trainer, like you were the only one who really kind of knew like anything and like a lot of that was kind of like you should eat chicken rice and veggies to lose weight yeah yeah. but like now because there's so many like podcasts and internet like there's just there's so much information out there that if you're like okay well you know i drink you know beet juice for xyz and you're just like well actually you should be drinking it because it increases your hemoglobin levels increasing like oxygen transportation in your body and like it's just like oh fuck you know like you kind of realize that like people are like they know that now because there's so many people who have like a sobering quest for that knowledge Mm -hmm. that you really got to be on point stay relevant right stay relevant stay current because like what i think what it really shows is that you have authentic enthusiasm for the industry like you care about these little things versus like the people who are kind of just like you know like oh you know i'm 18 and i have a nice body still so i know i know how to be a trainer yeah you know or like it's not that and i don't even want it to be that because like i said i'm way more on the other side of the spectrum where it's like you know I wanted to be more about like health and wellness anyway. And I, like, that's where like, I would hope that this industry is going, you know, and anybody getting into it, I would hope that that's where they kind of want to push and nudge it to, um, you know, so again, like staying current with all of like, you know, like the nutrition science and, you know, like the exercise science that's out there and, you know, pushing people that, you know, health and wellness is, you know, like it's a category, like it's everything. It's not just being in the gym, yeah. you know, and like looking at it from yourself too, where it's like a lot of people still think that they're um, like a trainer and like, you know, I've been thinking of some like ways that I want to re- redesign like what that means in my mind and saying like, am I a trainer or am I like a health and wellness specialist or am I an activity specialist? I'm like, like what am I really? Because, you know, like, like, I play basketball with clients, you know, I play squash with clients, I hike with clients, you know, like I do spin classes, I do private training, I do corporate training, like, you know, I paddleboard, I walk, I run, I run stairs, you know, like I'm doing all these things, like like that's like that's not what a trainer was when I first started. Like a no. trainer was somebody in a gym. In the weight room, right? Who I like this program that you do, yeah. but it's like, um, like that, like that's not what I do. Like it's, it's actually probably like half of what I yeah, do, yeah. you know? So like, what what does that even mean now? And I think, you know, like for people getting into that industry, like I don't know way, the way they're coaching people now to think, you know, but like understand like, what does that mean to you? Like, like what is that to you? Like, are you the type of person that's like, 
hey, you know, like, I want to be able to be a, like a part of your life that's not just like in the gym. A gym is a component of it because we need to like test your strength. But if we want to test your strength, like let's go to the playground and like test your strength there so that you can understand like the versatility behind it so that if I'm not there, you have the tools and the skills to realize like this fitness thing is everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like taking this, that's the one thing that I say to people is like, if you ever train with me, you know, because the the aspect you feel like you have to, you've done a disservice to both of us. Like if you want to train with me because you want to and you see the value in the environment, it's like that's what I want because what I ultimately want is for you to not need me at all. Yeah. Like I don't I don't ever want you to feel like you have to rely upon me for your success. I don't want you to ever attach your success with me. Everybody who knows me that I train, I cannot stand when people are just like, I couldn't do this without you. Know, I'm like, yes, you could. I was at best, at best, best a tourist in your quest that's it yeah like you know it's like well you know but like you did this for me you motivated me to do this i'm just like but that's different like you know like again like i was like i was a tourist i was like this person on the outside the fringe because you know what i will never take away from the fact that like when you decided not to eat that ice cream and you struggled with that shit and everybody else is eating it and you said no i will never take that away from you yeah. i will never take that you know like when you're dying in a work and i'm like you can do more i didn't muster the energy to do that i probably just talked louder you know like i will never take that away from you and i don't ever want you to bestow upon me that your success because then i become a part of your success measure and i don't want that you don't want that you shouldn't want that yeah. you know so it's like the more that you arm people you know like the more that you can give people the tools to be successful on their own like i see the trainers who do that are long-term successful you know versus like the trainers who are just like you know you have to train with me like okay you wouldn't be able to do this with me like okay well we have to do this now and it's just like well like no you don't like like there's not always a system where it has to be attached to you like i tell people i'm like you know what I can't even stand me half the time. How can you stand me? I'd like go hire another trainer, train yeah. other places, go swimming, go hiking, take your friend. You know, like if you need ideas, I'll give you ideas, but go like, I don't want to be like the sole definition of your fitness or your success. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like, you know, open up those options and open up those doors and, you know, just be a part of people's journey and be a part of people's success, but don't try to define it around yourself. That's good advice, yeah. yeah. You know, and like I said, the more versatile that you are, it's like, you know, if you get any job, like they always say, like, the more skills you have, the more training you have, the more courses that you've taken, you know, like the more valuable you are to a company, the more you get paid more, like the, like you have a better position at the company. Well, this is that same thing. It's like, well, if you like hiking, you know, like advertise that, you know, like, you know, get a group together, you know, everybody pays X amount of dollars, you can take them out in, into the backcountry and you guide that and you lead that and you're responsible for those people or, you know, like, you know, what I've noticed is because we still are in a generation and we're still in an environment where a lot of people don't have that fitness buddy, that fitness friend in their social network. And a lot of people want to go do cool stuff. You know, like one of my friends, she was like, I just went caving today at our head office at MEC has um, like a caving wall there or whatever. And I'm just like, man, I'm like, can I go? Yeah. So she checked in as like, oh, it's only for employees only. But she's like, oh, if you want to go, there's like, kind of like a group of people from here that go to this climbing center downtown. And I'm like, totally in, 100%. Like, let's go. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, just where it's like, I want to just be a part of like that experience. And then broadens my scope. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, 
I do kind of like this. So like I can open up that. It's like, hey, like, do you want to go to a rock climbing wall? Because like I'm into this too. I like it. If I like it, I'm enthusiastic about it. If I'm enthusiastic about it, I've, I feel like, like I got passion behind it. And people will pick up on that. And that's those are the kind of things that make you successful, right? So be spontaneous. Don't have a closed mind, right? Yeah, and, and just realize that, like, you know, fitness now isn't, like, I want to lose weight, I go for a run. If I want to build muscle, I go to a gym. Yeah. Like, just really... So many different ways of doing it, right? So many different ways, yeah. man. You're like, yeah. You know, like, even when I tell talk to people about, like, like mobility stuff, and they're like, well, I'm not into yoga, I'm not into this mobility stuff, I'm like, cool, let's go do parkour. Yeah. yeah. Like, parkour is, like, one of the best things oh, for, yeah. like, mobility, oh, yeah. you know, and, like, athleticism, you know, I'm like, if you want to do cool stuff, like, let's go do that, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it forces you to step high, it forces you to reach, it forces you to reach out there, it forces you to articulate in the joints, like, like, there's ways, so you got to just be creative to be able to attach people with, like, having fun while doing these things that a lot of people think are tedious, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can take like the monotony out of it, like, you know, like one of my like extremely close friends and like a real long-term client, like he, not a huge fan of like doing cardio, but loves playing squash. We play squash every day for like a part of his workout and then just go lift weights. You know, like we've narrowed it down that it's just like, you know, like low reps, high, high weight, just likes that, but like the cardio component completely out because, you know, he loves playing squash, loves playing racket sports. I'm like, cool. So let's crush that. That's cardio. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, that might be different in a month from now, but that's what it is right now. And then being like universal and flexible enough to kind of know, you know, like when it should be something else or when you could like offer something else or like when there could be another medium that could come in there, right? Yeah, being able to change on the fly, right? That's probably a big thing. Yeah, and just allowing people the the, the understanding that there's just, there's options to this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just that, it's like, you know, um, you know, a classic example, like what I say in detail, like, you know, I've put together, you know, this group, you know, that I added you to, you know, we talked about this sort of like, just like assassins in like the gym, mm-hmm. you know, but like we may have been here today and like just killing a workout, but you know, like we might be, you know, 10 K up a mountain with like altitude masks on, like doing a thousand burpees and then running back down, you know, like it it can be anything. And like, I want it to be anything or, you know, like, you know, we might go find a Creek that's just like cold as shit. And like, you know, like deep and not fast and do like, you know, cold submersion training. And then like, you know, like one K runs and cold submersion training, then one K run, you like just repeat, like it, like I want it to be anything to be able to open up those doors of like possibility. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah get out of that old weight room mindset and really it's get long, out there and see what the options are right? long-term boring and you know it's so boring yeah. the one thing that being in the gym now really to me it's a little bit different because of like you know functional workouts and that kind of stuff too but like you know being in the gym consistently is like it's the same repetitive stress issues and the, the same ailments that you're gonna get from sitting at a computer all day long or sitting at a desk like you're you're just finding a different way to do the same movements which taxes those muscles those tens those ligaments those joints in exactly the same way you know but like if you're doing like bench press whether it's dumbbells or barbell or anything like it's still just bench press yeah you know but like you're still like you know looking at like there's gonna be like repetitive stress issues and then like what's the threshold like like i always say to people like how strong do you need to be? You know, like I quit lifting heavy when I got up to like, you know, my 405 deadlift and my knees hurt for a couple of days and I couldn't even work out. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like, what was the point behind that? Yeah. And like, what was the point of working all those months and years to be able to get to that point? I'm like, I don't even care. Cause I'm like, when in my everyday life 
am I ever going to lift 400 pounds? Oh, yeah. I don't care. And like, what's more applicable to, applicable to my life is lifting like 100 pounds a thousand times. Yeah. Like, yeah. that would be, even that wouldn't be applicable, but that would be a, a lot more applicable, Better. something that I'm doing like less and more repetitions of it than lifting something heavy once. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. And again, just like, you know, like identifying it with like what individuals need and, you know, like what they like and what they respond to and, you know, like what makes them passionate about their fitness and taking them to enough different environments and exposing them to enough different things that they have an understanding of what they like because most people don't know what they like mm -hmm. you know or like they'll find things that they love that they never would have thought that they loved mm -hmm. so no, that's good yeah. great advice man thank you yeah no problem and any questions you always know you can let me know yeah, awesome man Sounds cool great well thanks for burning up a saturday afternoon and coming in here no problem man thanks for having me it's been great no problem have a good day do it again soon for sure absolutely yeah.